Hello, my friends. Uh, happy 90s episode. Uh, we're back with the decade episodes. Uh, Carlos Blair and good friend Mike, who was in the comfort episode. So thank you for coming back, dude. I appreciate it. Um, couldn't think of a more fitting guest, honestly, for for the 90s. Are you a 90s baby, Mike, by the way? I am uh, 2000. Close. We're <laughs> close enough. Yeah, yeah. I think the rest of us are at least I think we were all born in the 90s, right? Yep. Well, at least yep. the latter half of the 90s. 95 uh, smack dab in the middle. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm 97. Um I'm 1994. I'm the oldest one oh, here. Fuck. Shit. <laughs> um so I guess like before we do the list, like this is kind of like a special opportunity for this for this series. Like, do you guys remember like an early movie you saw or like an early like theatrical experience of living in the 90s because i was born in 97 so i i literally have zero like probably seen like cartoons at an early age but like do you guys have like a distinct memory from like 1990s cinema that still carries on i think i remember seeing toy story 2 in theaters well not i mean i remember is honestly i don't know i'm just i'm pretty sure <laughs> i've seen toy story 2 in theaters yeah it's amazing it's about as much as i know i think that's the Probably the earliest film I can remember that I saw in theaters was Toy Story 2, because after that, like my earliest memories of going to the theaters were like early 2000s movies like mm-hmm. yeah, same. Harry uh, Harry Potter and Shrek mm-hmm. and The Mummy Returns and Shrek. shit. <laughs> Mummy Returns, yeah. Yeah. Scorpion King, all that yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, my earliest memory is probably actually Takashi Miike's audition. And then it came out in 99. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My parents wanted to breed me to international cinema early on. So that was on all the time. Uh, no, but really, um, amazing decade. Uh, obviously, we don't have to keep saying that. Every decade's pretty damn stacked. But like, I know, I don't know, for you guys, like, this was the hardest list for me to make just because of the output of movies. Like, obviously, as time goes on, as like we get closer and closer to current times, I think we've all seen movies. I don't know. I, it might just be me, but like for me personally, I've seen movies more during current decades, like '90s and beyond. Um, yeah, me too. I don't know if it's the same for you guys. Like you could, you know, even check your letterbox and see which decade. But like '90s onward, I've just seen like just too yep. much shit to to even count. So yeah, I'm the exact same way. Same here. That's it. Yeah, is like my decade for um most the two thousands. Yeah, like 2000s, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the case for sure. Um, and it was like incredibly difficult for me to craft this list just because of the fact that since I kind of have a lot of nostalgic value that's like incredibly personal to me when it comes to a lot of the 90s films, it was like really painful for me to be like, okay, let me try to remove some of that. Like even though a lot of the films that I have that kind of value with, are still really fantastic films, but I try to really do my best and be like, okay, let's, let me try to, let me try to evaluate how much like personal value I have with this film over like it's actual like greatness. And it was hard to kind of do that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's, it's impossible to like completely remove that. This list is probably compiled mm-hmm. of mostly films. That I still have like a lot of personal attachment to, but yeah, it was for that reason, it was probably one of the most difficult it's pro- I don't know if it was as hard as the night. I mean, uh, as hard as the seventies, mm. but it's it's probably at least the second most difficult list for me to craft so far. 
Totally. I feel like the seventies maybe had a more output of just pure, you know, masterpieces that were, you know, define cinema. But for me, the nineties had more movies that I have like a personal sort of yep. connection to that kind of like makes me feel guilty leaving them off. Um, Same. But again, yeah, like you're right. Like none of this has been easy, but this is like, I would Mike and I and, and Blair too, were talking about like, how like even right before this i've been wrestling with my choices like the second we hit record i'm like shit um <laughs> so it's not going to be easy but we are on a time crunch so we're going to just go ahead and start the list uh just dive right mm-hmm. into it um and as tradition i'll let our guests go first so mr mike what's your number five film please my number five film is 1999's uh claire, claire denise uh Botravai, which um so I do not have a lot of um, experience with Claire Denis uh, movies, but I am well aware of her place in like art house, art house cinema, the art house circle. I saw this movie. I rewatched it actually. Uh, I say like about a month ago by this point, and I I had seen it before, and I I did like it. I liked it very much. Um, this is a movie about um essentially in short, it's about like French uh, foreign legion officers in the desert and it's about it's like a uh day more like a day in the life story um that um kind of claire denise uh a direction in this movie is it kind of captures just the day-to-day mundane activities of these soldiers from like the female gaze perspective and in that regard she does an incredible job in this movie of capturing the like the texture the color and like the feeling of uh, being in the desert and um just like um the just the look of this movie is amazing and um it's so colorful but not much happens in this movie which is really what impacted me the most this is very much a case of a visual storytelling in some regards this is um a a love story that it has been described as a love story because although it's not like uh, it doesn't directly tell you this is a movie about like gazes and like uh looks um, it's kind of a celebration about like uh, bodies, the re- the removal of uh, ego. It's very very much a male centered uh, movie, but uh, uh, Denise's direction in this movie is really um, says a lot. With I'd say a little bit because um, again, not very much dialogue, but um, the use of like color, uh, music, especially in this movie. Which if you've mm-hmm. seen this movie, this movie has an incredible ending involving uh music and there's like uh there's like club sequences throughout this movie that really um add a lot of color to the movie it's amazing it's a very textured movie very powerful movie without um really saying a lot and um it really did blow me away and um i think is of like a lot of the art house movies i've seen from like the 1990s this one really affected me the most and immersed me the most in its world and um, it just really showed me how amazing uh, Denny is as a visual director and how much she can say with uh, so with just the camera. And I really loved it. And I say it's my number five uh, for this decade. Sweet, man. I, I love that film as well. Um, I, Claire Denis was like, I struggled with a lot of her films, but like Beau was one that really broke boundaries, I thought. And like, the way she kind of deconstructs masculinity and kind of like turns man, like mankind and sort of like this animalistic sort of very objective viewpoints on them. And it's like, it's really, and like you said, like the visuals in that movie are like absolutely stunning. Like there's shots that really stick with me um, of them, like them and the landscapes and everything. So 
Absolutely. Yeah, that, an amazing pick. Like one of the things I love about it so much. It's such a, this is such a, like a primal movie. Um, yeah. It's just very, very visceral. And um, I've never really honestly seen anything like it. And I, I highly recommend it. If you haven't heard of this movie, it is on the Criterion collection. So I'm sure it, it does have a following um, in that circle, like the letterbox circle. But um, if you're into movies that are really just, um, just, I don't know, just capture the feeling of just being somewhere very foreign, um, just very, almost very exotic, but a super, super visceral. I'd, I'd highly suggest this movie. It's incredible. Me too. Yeah, Same dude. here. I'm, I'm really excited that you talked about this film because I mean, I don't know much about this movie besides like the bare minimum that is directed by Claire Denis, um, mm-hmm. that it made it really high up on the sight and sounds poll. Um, and that yeah. just overall, like people really love it. Um, and besides the, the, uh, cover, which is basically like the, the shirtless guy. And I didn't know like anything about it at all. Like I plot wise, like it's theme, it's style. I pretty much didn't know anything about it. So, um, I think it's awesome that you were able to talk about it and like describe your feelings as to why you do enjoy that film so much. Cause now I'm like definitely a lot more excited to see it. Same here. Honestly. Yeah. You guys will love it. You guys will love it. I think it's sick. It's so, it's like some of the best visual storytelling without explaining like that I've ever seen on film, honestly. It's a um, different movie, honestly, to, I think to put into words because like they're on the surface, really, you could say not much happens in it, but there is so much happening in this movie that what like when you experience it, um, it takes a little bit to kind of sink in like the movie, yeah. but if you really give it your attention, um like Denise visual poetry is pretty unforgettable and um i think easily one of the standout um moments in like art house cinema from the 1990s that i've personally seen and which is not a lot but um Mm -hmm. definitely a a movie that sticks with you like especially after the ending which i will not spoil but um is one of the best of the 90s i'd say one of the best final shots yeah like incredible that i can think of for sure other quick Claire Denis recommendations for y'all real quick, if you haven't seen them, is Trouble Every Day, which is sort of a cannibal horror movie with Vincent Gallo, um, and High Life, which came out semi-recently, which is a very fascinating uh, sci-fi film with Robert Pattinson. So she yeah, always has, she, she has a really distinct style that I love. Yeah, that, that's the only film I've seen from Claire Denis is High Life. I And I actually really enjoyed that one. So yeah, yeah it's crazy. It's a crazy one for sure. Um, and she's always pushing the boundaries. Like she made that movie Stars at Noon that was like really mixed a can a few years ago. And I've heard it's like just really crazy what it, what it does with like story construction and everything. So I'm always intrigued by her as a filmmaker. So I'm glad we could like spotlight her uh, in this list. And that's definitely her masterpiece. Definitely. So um, it's a great way to kick us off. Um, Blair, would you do you want to go next? Sure. All right. So my number five is a movie that it's my get a, might get a few mixed reactions in this uh this podcast episode but i genuinely feel it's great so i'm gonna go with cronenberg's crash 1996 i believe um awesome yeah so this is to me my favorite cronenberg i first watched it uh last year not not thinking it was going to be amazing. I was just kind of intrigued just knowing the plot synopsis. It's kind of uh, very interesting, to say the least. Um, I, I gravitate more towards kind of like shocking movies. So th- that's kind of why it piqued my interest at first. 
But um, after watching it, like I fell in love with it. And to me, there's like a lot of like dark psychological like implications and substance, like substance wise to the movie. Like um, to me, it kind of just like showcases this really dark, morbid fascination and curiosity that like kind of all people have within them. But these these uh, group of characters kind of just like exhibit that and um get off to that really like for th- for those who don't know it's about like people who um <laughs> fetishize car crashes and like anything to do with that and like have have sex on like car accident scenes and all this fucked up shit um there's not like a ton of body horror in the movie like it's very toned down when it comes to like uh his other movies like The Fly and um, uh, Videodrome. But like all the makeup effects and all the like shots of people with their scars and stuff genuinely made me feel like uneasy and like mm-hmm. uh, queasy in a way that like I don't feel watching a lot of gore in movies. Like it's just uh, it feels very heavy for some reason. Like, yeah, I, I can't really describe it. Um uh obviously it goes to say it's very very horny there's like so much scenes <laughs> where the um all the sex is just disgusting and like so deviant but you can't help but like you you can't like look away from the screen it's like so intriguing in a way um and honestly i really love like it's kind of color color palette and it has a super unsat a desaturated like lo-fi look like i know its title sequence is kind of infamous for looking like shit but i kind of think that like kind of adds to it i like that it that it looks that way because it just it's almost very off-putting because there's like no sound and uh kind of gets you into the tone for like what this movie is gonna be um so yeah i i love this movie a lot i need to rewatch it because i bought the arrow 4k just just a month ago but yeah, um, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, Crash by Cronenberg. I love that film a lot. And that's David Cronenberg is one of my favorite directors, period. And I kind of semi regret not bringing up Videodrome last week um, or last episode. Um, but I, I, you're right. I know Crash is very mixed generally by the people we know but also like yeah. in general. <laughs> yeah. um, so i just wanted to defend you real quick and i, I think that movie's a masterpiece um same buddy I, <laughs> same same yeah i think i i know I, I don't know if you guys saw a similar like when Titan came out i saw i felt like that was like our very 21st much. century version of crash you know like she was very much influenced by that i know i love that too. machinery <laughs> and sex sort of venn diagram you know um, i love titan to death it's so me too, much yeah, yeah it's one of my favorite movies of the decade so I, I just wanted to throw that out there it reminded me of crash so i know carlos probably has a lot to say about crash so i'll let, I'll let him go <laughs> uh titan pretty good crash <laughs> i don't like that movie at all um, <laughs> yeah i mean i watched it twice and I don't know. It just does nothing for me at all. Um, I mean, I'm glad that y'all get something out of it. And honestly, I like, I wish I found it as interesting as the way that you were describing it. Cause the way that you were describing it sounds like it'd be such a great movie, but like when I'm watching it, I just, I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. I found personally, like 
the narrative to be kind of repetitive and then thematically speaking it just felt one dimensional and I just kind of wish it took like its concept and maybe explored something more profound with it but instead sure I I just personally I just couldn't get as much out of it as y'all did and I really wish that wasn't the case because like from the sound of it like everybody in the discord like fuck pretty much everybody in the discord loves that fucking movie so I'm just kind of the odd one out on that one mm-hmm do you struggle with other Cronenbergs or is it really, does that one stick out? I mean, not really. I either, I mean, I haven't like seen a Cronenberg film, but I thought, oh, it's a fucking masterpiece. But for the most part, like I dig most of his stuff, like Naked Lunch. I love that film. The Fly, I absolutely love that film. Um, Videodrome, I'm not like that too huge on, but I do like the movie. Um, like same with The Brood, I like the film. So, I mean... I mean, I like pretty much all of his stuff to a degree. It's just Crash was like the one where I'm like, I fucking don't like this movie at all. That was like really the only one where I was like, I just don't like like flat out. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes people do not like like most Cronenberg's movie, but Crash is the one. That That's why like. I was surprised. Yeah, because yeah. people that love like erotic sort of thrillers and kind of fucked up romances love that movie. And like they don't fuck with the body horror stuff. So you know but i yeah. I, I, t- I totally get what you're coming from because like that movie is like a lot of his movies kind of repeat the the world it's more about world building than i guess narrative in some ways so i get what you're saying but but mike yeah that's kind of true mike are you into that movie or cronenberg as, I, as a whole well i actually have not seen crash I, i've seen a couple cronenbergs i've seen like i saw the fly like almost like 15 years ago I uh, can't say too much uh, if I liked it or not, but um, I've seen History of Violence many times. It's actually one of my favorite movies. Um, Amazing film, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, I haven't gotten around to Crash, but I, I do remember um, in the early 2000s seeing the poster for Crash for the first time um, in like a, I don't even know, it's like a landmark theater and being like, wow, that looks, that looks like something. I can't, <laughs> there's like two posters, I can't remember which one, but um definitely i haven't forgotten about the like seeing that poster but um i'll get around to it one day but um i do admire Cronenberg uh for his contributions to like body horror like experimental i mean he's a legend so um totally absolutely deserves his props for everything he's done but um, Mm -hmm. i haven't seen gotcha well blair all all i'm gonna say is i i love that pick but i hope you have the same love for uh crimes of the future in the future Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I do not. As the resident I, resident Cronenberg stand, all I'm going to say is in 10 years, I hope you're like, Jake, <laughs> I was wrong about that movie. Yeah, I did I, not with fuck it. with that movie. I, I was born. No, no, no. Just a, little, <laughs> just a little joke because I've, you know, I was the only buddy one in the discord defending that movie, I believe. Maybe someone else did. There, there's a there's a couple. Uh, other I felt now. I felt like on my own island. Yeah. For sure. I mean, shout out to Tommy in the Discord. Tommy is like a huge defender of uh <laughs> of that film. Like he he really loves it. So. I gotta talk to Tommy about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love that film too. I love Tommy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Tommy. Um. All right. Uh, Carlos, you're next then. Awesome. All right. So my number five pick is a film that is gonna surprise. A lot of people out there because it's so low but what's even more shocking is that it it at first it didn't even make the fucking list um and then just after thinking about it more i just realized like it just doesn't make sense for me not to include this on the list so <laughs> yeah. um 
My number five is Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. Um, yeah, this film, I mean, this is Stanley Kubrick's last film, and it's a doozy. Um, it's such a bold piece of filmmaking. I mean, it's unfortunate that it is his last film, because you can tell that even after his last film, he still had all that talent that he's had his entire career. It's just, it's on display with Eyes Wide Shut. Um, I mean, obviously the direction is fantastic. Just the way that the camera moves throughout the film, it just feels so seamless and feels so like mysterious and suspenseful. Stanley Kubrick is just to me, a master of cinematic presentation. And again, with eyes wide shut, that's very clear. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a fucking wild movie. This is a wild ass film. (laughs) I mean, like everybody knows about the, uh, uh, like ritual orgy type scene in the film. And it is, that is just like one of the most like ominous and unsettling and also beautifully captured scenes I've ever seen. Um, and again, it's bold as hell. I mean, that shit is really daring to make. I mean, it's, I mean, it's showcasing, you know, a depiction of the elites in a way that is, you know, it's incredibly suspect. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's, I don't know, it's just such a darkly bold film. And that the fact that he went that far um, with this film, because it's basically, it's like half erotic thriller and like half conspiracy thriller. Um, it meshes both of those genre type things together in a way that is so compelling and unsettling and um unlike anything that you'll ever see really and um the performances are fantastic i mean i'm not really the biggest tom cruise fan but i think he fucking kills it in this film he's really really great um nicole kidman obviously and they were i I mean it's just awesome that tom cruise and kidman they were both like an actual married couple at the time when they made this film um so them like making this film together i just think it's it's just something like special to behold on screen. Cause you don't really get shit like that often. Um, especially considering the context of like what they're arguing about when it comes to their like sexual frustrations, when it comes to the restrictions of marriage and stuff like that. Um, just a really eye opening and honest film when it comes to tackling these, these types of subjects um, of marriage and um, even like rich culture and shit like that. But but yeah, um, yeah, this film is just—it's really, really, really fucking great. It's um, again, it's 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 probably it could it could barely make probably my top five Kubrick, but it's not that's not to dog on Eyes Wide Shut at all because it's still a fantastic film. It's just that Kubrick's made so many amazing pieces of art that it's it's really hard to like craft a top ten from his films. But yeah, Eyes Wide Shut, amazing, amazing film. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it yet and you've been kind of sleeping on it, please just whatever you have the time, just make it happen. Cause it's, it, trust me, all of Kubrick's talents is all still there. And it's just something amazing to watch. It's, it's really something else. So that's why Eyes Wide Shut's my number five. Love it. I felt, yeah. Eyes Wide Show was originally going to be on, be on mine. Cause uh, that is my favorite Kubrick for anybody who doesn't know. I love it so much. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. Blair, we continue to have the same taste because that is also my favorite Kubrick film. Based. Based. I, I had it on my list, but I, I kind of was like seated it to Carlos because 
he's brought up Kubrick in every decade <laughs> that we've yeah. done so far. So it'd feel wrong if he didn't bring up Eyes Wide Shut. So, and honestly, you're the biggest Kubrick fan. I, I like, I personally know, so I have to give it, but I totally agree. It's my favorite Kubrick. I just love everything. Everything you said, I totally agree with. Um, I also love the Christmas aesthetic too. I think it's like, Oh yeah. The way I he constructed, that. like he constructed all those New York city streets and like all those apartment buildings by like hand. Um, and it's just, it just looks so meticulous and, and just vibrant and gorgeous. Like, and like you said, nothing like it has been made even like in, in terms of his filmography, just such a unique piece as like his last film. Um, and fun fact, uh, the, the piano player in that movie is Todd field, uh, who yeah. later directed tar, uh, who depicted uh, Nick Nightingale in that movie. So yep. another great filmmaker involved with that, with that movie. So, yeah, it's crazy. Cause then, uh, and uh, and this art theater near my house, well, not near my house, but it's in the same, it's in the city of my state. Um, it they were playing. There was a night where they were playing Eyes Wide Shut as like a throwback screening, and then they they were playing uh, Tar in the same day, like at the same time. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah, like you said about Tom Cruise, I personally I love Tom Cruise as a performer, not a person. Yeah. To be clear, um, but that's like. <laughs> It's crazy. Like in the late night, like in the same year, he worked with Stanley Kubrick and Paul Thomas Anderson. Like he would never work with like two of the top auteurs at you know these days. Yep. So, what a point in time for sure. And like lending his star power to like to that film is is really something. Um, just a, just an incredible movie. Like I I that's like kind of like the shining for me too. Where every time I watch it, I like I have a thousand new you know, things that could like pick apart in it, you know, sort of analyze. Yep. There's just so much to it. Um, Absolutely. Mike, have you, are you an Eyes Wide Shut fan? Have you been to the orgy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I love Eyes Wide Shut. I haven't seen it in like two years, but um, like Carlos was saying, but it's such an ominous movie. Definitely one of the bravest movies I think Kubrick's ever, I mean, Kubrick ever uh, made despite it being his last one. Um. It just more so, I mean, not going to get too, too into it, but um, if you know, like the, the theories about like um, Kubrick uh, allegedly being killed because of this movie, um, it just, it makes it uh, even more ominous, I'd say. And, um, but um, definitely, I mean, one of his most unique movies, um, beautiful direction that again, that one orgy scene is incredible. So, so beautiful. with like the, the little piano um, going throughout the, the background. Mm -hmm. Um, use of color um is immaculate um i i just i love it so much and uh also just taking into account like the the story um the all like the whole behind the scenes it just really um i don't know sticks on in kubrick's filmography as just a really uh, just a huge high point and i'm um, very sad uh, his career was mm -hmm. cut short after that because i mean who knows what he would have had up his sleeve um post uh right. I shot and um definitely one of my favorite uh cruise performances as well nicole kidman amazing as well love that Incredible. one that one bedroom scene um both yeah early on in the movies amazing so, one of the it, best monologues in my opinion absolutely. oh yeah she's like so high when she's doing it too it's so <laughs> incredible acting yeah yeah we haven't even talked about just like the crazy conspiracy revolving around kubrick's death surrounding this film as well right it's just just like I mean, we, we could talk for hours just about that, too. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's like another piece of lore that's surrounding this film that makes it just like a, a monumental piece of, of, of filmmaking when it comes to the the the, the uh, 
history of film in general. But yeah, I I fucking love this movie a lot. So I'm glad I decided to include it. I thought I was out of my mind. I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? This needs to be in my list. <laughs> yes. I would be so ashamed like if it didn't make the cut at all. <laughs> yeah. At least one of us would have said it, you know. I'm just I'm just glad that the Kubrick stand could bring it up, you know. Um, which I want to ask, like, since his life was cut short, Carlos, like mm-hmm. If he had one more film or maybe many more films, like what what kind of subject matter slash genre would be like your dream Kubrick movie, like post eyes wide shut? Like what would I know that's tough, but like I always think about that. Like what would you wanted him to do before he if he had like one more film in him? I mean, personally, this might be a little biased, but I would love to see him tackle just straight horror again. Yes. Um, like <laughs> yeah. you, another, I mean, whatever, I mean, really anything in the horror genre, but personally just like another psychological type horror film, I think he could absolutely kill or do it like a, like a, uh, like dystopian, you know, future kind of film, something like children of men esque, like, yeah, you know, Kubrick handling something like that, I think would be just absolutely amazing. So yeah, Dude, that's what kind of what artificial intelligence was gonna be in a way. Yeah. But that's true. Yeah, never... he 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 prepped that movie, so that would have been his next. He was gonna do more sci-fi. So yeah, that's a good point. Spielberg true. schmaltzed it all up. Yeah, I do not <laughs> like that movie. I'm sorry, it's not. It's too much schmaltz. Too much. I think it has a decent like. Well, I haven't seen it in such a long time, but I think it, I I remember it having like a decent like first act or so at least and then it, i just feel like the movie just kind of gets worse as it goes along yeah the first act in it in itself is really great it, it literally could be like a great sh- uh short film yeah a kubrick homage yeah <clears throat> yeah i love the movie but I, yeah i totally get what you guys are saying it's not i kind of watched it before knowing that stanley kubrick prepped it like when i was younger so mm-hmm. i didn't have that sort of in my head but it's definitely a, something to think about when you're analyzing that movie. Honestly, I, I need to watch it again. It's been like at least six or seven years since I've actually seen that movie from start to finish. Yeah, I'd love to know your take on it for sure, because it is such a Kubrick product. You know, it's very much his vision passed on to someone else, which is crazy. But but yeah, Eyes Wide Shut. Great movie. I'd Definitely a, an early contender for the top 10 of uh, the 90s for sure. Um, well, okay, I'll go next. Um, my number five is a film by one of my favorite filmmakers, um, which honestly, a lot of these are in the 90s. Um, I try to showcase one from like five of my favorite directors ever. So the first one is a Mike Lee film, and it's got to be Secrets and Lies. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Objectively speaking, I think his the greatest film he's ever directed. And man, I mean, this movie... I know Mike, you're you're a huge all of you, I think, love this movie that have seen it, but I'm gonna let you guys chime in as well. But like I think for me is one of the best depictions of human relationships and family life ever put to screen. And that's something that Mike Lee has been such a such a just kind of like push the envelope in terms of, you know, depicting family life and sort of middle class lifestyle in Great Britain. And like this movie is like the ultimate slow burn family drama too. Cause like, it's all, you can feel the tension just sort of rising and rising as this movie goes on. Um, as more things are revealed that different relationships are sort of um, pending and you just feel this just uneasy 
dread throughout this whole movie and not in like a very you know uncomfortable way it's just a very relatable way like that kind of feeling you have with your your own family or your own relationships and it feels so so true to life in the in that way and like the writing in this movie is so pitch perfect and tight uh brenda blethin who plays the mother in this movie of the long lost daughter um you can see her there in like one of the best shots one of my favorite shots in cinema history one of the greatest performances Michael Lee's ever gotten, if not the best next to like David Shulis and in, in naked. Um, but man, the way this movie unravels is just so masterful. The, the, the dialogue is just so pitch perfect and so collaborative. Cause like Michael Lee works so tight and well with his actors, which is something I really appreciate. Um, and the ending is such an emotional, just gut punch, but also so cathartic at the same time. It's just, this movie makes you feel just so many facets of emotions. And that's what Mike Lee always intended to do with just simple conversation and human interaction. I think it's just masterful um, and rightfully um, won the Palm d'Or, I believe, uh, when it came out. Hell yeah. <clears throat> Yo, she won uh, the actress with Brenda Blethyn. Brenda Yeah, also very well deserved. So. Um, as well if I, i'm no disrespect to francis mcdormand and fargo but Blathen's performances that's yeah. a tight wow that's a crazy tight race those are two yeah. of my favorite performances on film right there um damn but yeah wow. holy yeah <laughs> brutal honestly yeah that's that's crazy but um but yeah just a film i love i just adore mike lee so much and not my personal favorite mike lee films are, might be elsewhere but if i were to say the best and the one that made me fall in love with mike lee even further was definitely secrets and lies so i'll definitely let you guys chime in because i love that film so much yeah dude uh obviously i gotta shout out mike here too because he's the one that brought this film to my attention um during one of the halls and jen actually blind bought this film based on mike's recommendation yep. and oh, wow when we watched it and fuck, I was blown away by this film. I didn't even like expect to watch a masterpiece, but that's exactly what I got. Um, yeah, this film is to me. This, I, I mean, obviously, the, I think this film is fucking perfect. Um, it's, I mean, beautifully written from start to finish. It incorporates humor so well. It incorporates dark drama incredibly well. Um, and it's just beautifully encapsulated by amazing performances uh obviously like we already talked about uh Brenda Blethyn she is so amazing in this film I mean it's kind of mind-blowing how great she is in this movie yeah um she's just she just comes off so fucking like authentic and she just I don't know she just does a wonderful job embodying that character um and yeah just like like you said like when it comes to like the thematic notions of um, like a dysfunctional family and again, like holding in things about each other for the sake of peace and not being truthful about certain things and everybody kind of having sometimes secret drama with each other, but sometimes open drama with each other. And it's just like this constant, like clusterfuck of <laughs> drama between each other that, you know, is to me like beautifully kind of explodes in the, in the third act as we see. Um, but like the explosion of emotions that we get in the third act of this movie is just fucking amazing. Like I just, yeah. I was just in awe of everything that I was seeing. I was like, wow, this is beautifully, beautifully acted, beautifully written, beautifully directed. Like everything about this is just 
so impactful and compelling. So yeah, this movie is this. I, I love Secrets and Lies. It, that was actually my number five. And then I just thought about it for such a long time and I had to give the edge to Eyes Wide Shut. But I mean, that's how much I love this movie. I think it's I think it's absolutely fantastic in every way. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie in a while, but um, just I remember being so like affected uh, by this movie. So I like themes of uh, family uh, secrets. Um, I mean, especially like the core story about like uh, finding your long lost mother. I mean, I, I, it's not something I personally relate to, but the way uh, Lee um, handled the subject was with just so much care and just like humanity. And I think the cast, especially Brenda Blethyn, I mean, is phenomenal in this movie, but the whole cast in general, the whole ensemble just does a phenomenal job of um, just bringing all these themes to life. Um, the, the whole third act is incredible, but actually I love um, that one scene, like the barbecue scene. Um, yes. I, I don't think yep. this movie gets enough credit for how good, um, how much uh, like it blurs the line between like uh, just like written and like improv. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. my knowledge, that whole scene was that whole like barbecue scene is improv. And the cast right. is like flawless. It's just so organic and uh, so beautiful. Um, and I, there's not a weak link in a weak link in this cast. Um, yep, just a uh, really an um, incredible uh, just piece of cinema, just piece of uh, drama, just what uh, just anything. It's it's honestly like a timeless movie, and how well these uh, themes are um, explored. Um, just so realistically, just so organically, it's a beautiful movie. I, again, I haven't seen it in a while, but um, pretty unforgettable stuff. Uh, so totally one of my favorite Lees. I I would not argue if you said it's like his greatest achievement because I pretty much think I do think it is like objectively speaking, like the greatest thing. Yeah, seen. I've seen quite a few. Yeah, I I cannot wait to to watch the film again. I only watched it once, and I am just so excited to to watch it again whenever that day comes yeah it's yeah because it's like so the first time it's so i've seen it like two or three times it's so emotionally just taxing and when you get to rewatch it it's like you kind of analyze his camera movements which is so which are so precise especially in that diner scene um and that whenever they're sitting and stuff and there's so much artistry put into this movie like he he really came into his own as like fully understanding like the art of cinema but also like his own style so I just love it for that. And like, I would agree, Mike, like, I think it's his greatest achievement as a director for sure. So that's why I had to be there. It had to be in the top five for sure. Um, uh, yeah, Mike, do you want to, I think your number five is next. Your number four, sorry, is next. Four. My number four is the Abbas Kiarostami movie from uh, 1997, Taste of Cherry. Now, this is a movie that is pretty popular, I've seen in like the letterbox circle, the criterion circles, you know. I mean, I think most of us have seen this movie, to my knowledge. But um I saw I saw it a couple years ago, kind of when I was getting um getting going with my journey with like uh, art house cinema, delving more, and I really was blown away um by this movie's uh, minimal minimal structure, how it is essentially just three uh big conversations revolving around uh, mortality, uh, suicide, um, religion, um, just many topics, but um, it, it's a movie that I, I think handles these uh, subjects so um, so carefully. It does not go over the top whatsoever. Um, the conversations are just, I go, go flow very organically. Um, there's not a lot of flash to it. It, it really is just uh, three big conversations and this man driving around uh, Tehran um 
and you say, you very much get the sense this man um, is at a point in his life where he's just given up and um, he just doesn't have uh, anything to look forward to. But um, these conversations just explore the, the counter to that, like how um, precious life is, like what like there is to look forward to. And I think in that regard, this movie does such a good job of uh, conveying these themes through just really just dialogue and very, very minimal direction. It's such a minimal movie. And it, like kind of like with uh, Botravai, it, it just says so much with, I wouldn't say so little, but just, again, very, very minimal. And it is so powerful in that sense. It, my favorite conversation in this movie is um, definitely the third one with uh, the, the taxidermist, the, the professor. Yeah. Um, I think if you've seen the movie, you definitely know what I'm talking about. The monologue revolving around um, uh, mulberries uh, is honestly one of my favorite monologues i think just in movies um just incredibly moving stuff very very uh poetic um but overall just a really amazing movie and one i one i've seen many times actually this is actually a movie i do uh see myself just coming back to quite often i just saw it in the theater like about a week ago and just having just sitting right there and just immersing myself in the world of this movie really really I know drove home all its themes probably the most um, in regards to how many times I've seen this movie. It really just never fails to, to move me to really make me reflect on a, a lot of uh, issues in my own life at the world at large. It's an amazing movie from a filmmaker. I mean, really, really changed the game in the art house cinema and like the art house circuit. Um, I haven't seen every Kiarostami movie. I've seen this one. Uh, Taste of Cherry, uh, Certified Copy, Where's the Friend's House. Uh, he has a very, very sizable filmography, but uh, one that hopefully over the course of my life, I'll be able to explore more because Kiristami's style, just very, very, very minimal style, just kind of uh, examining the, the experiences of day-to-day people with really just, just words. This conversation is just so compelling to me. And um, yeah, but this is easily my favorite of the ones i've seen and i i think i can just leave it at that just taste of cherry is just a really just incredible experience and if you haven't seen it i would highly suggest it so that is my number four sweet very well said uh very well put i will save my thoughts because spoiler alert that's gonna be on my list later on so i will i will oh shit i will seed my thoughts to carlos and blair on that one well, it was originally on my list as well, but I took it off after hearing uh, Mike mention that, and it's okay. We got a backup. We're all good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Taste of Cherry is, to in my in my book, like really up there with one of the best of the decade. This movie is incredible, and the way it tackles its heavy theme is like, to me, it really doesn't get any much better than that. Like Karastami fucking mastered tackling such a heavy subject like suicide and um doing it in a way that's like not ham-fisted with like a preachy me- preachy message but it's just done so naturalistic in these sequences of conversations that the ca- main character has and how that kind of changes his um you know uh his perspective on what uh, he's going to do in his life and i and i love how 
you don't know what drove him to these set of circumstances, but um, you're just kind of seeing the aftermath. It's uh, it, it kind of feels more universal that way, but also more natural. It's just, yeah, Kiristami, it's his magnum opus, in my opinion. Totally. Damn. Car- I, Carlos. I, I really like the film. Um, I pretty much agree with, with what everybody's saying. I think... I mean, if not anything, I mean, Taysa Cherry proves again just how incredibly intelligent Kiristami is as a writer and just as a filmmaker, but definitely like as a writer, just his ability to write out these incredibly like philosophical and thought provoking conversations in a way that actually feels natural to the characters, I think is like a huge showcase of his talent because a lot of times when we watch movies, we hear characters you know having these long type of philosophical type of conversations but sometimes it just comes off like as the mouthpiece of the filmmaker just coming straight to the character and it doesn't feel very natural but with every Kiristami film that I've seen that is not the case at all he is he somehow does a beautiful job at incorporating all this intelligent dialogue in a way that actually feels authentic and I think that's to me that is like probably like the strongest thing about the film um but yeah i i i I like it a lot it's not in my it's not my favorite kiristami or anything because i I would put i would put a decent above that like certified copy and close up and even whereas a friend's house i'd put that above it but then again it hasn't been i mean it's been like what feels like at least three years now since i've seen it so it is a film that i would like to watch again sometime soon because i do remember it still being really good Absolutely. I feel like we might talk about other Kiristamis later too, because he's mm-hmm. so many great films for sure. But but yeah, that's a great pick, Mike. Um, like I said, I'll talk more about it when I bring it up myself, but love that film. But all right, Blair, what's your uh, what's your number four? So this one's actually gonna be the one I just choose to back up with after taste of cherry i was battling between a different kiristami film um but i'm actually gonna go with uh three colors red from christoph kieslowski um this is definitely one of my new favorite like one of my favorite new watches um that i've done quite a while um it's it's kind of hard to explain what exactly about this film is so fucking works so well. All I can say is that the main actress of this film, um, Irene Jacob, Jacob, and the actor, oh, <laughs> I, I forget his name. He's the guy from Amor and um, right. And uh, we're talking about it's like something. something. Yep. Yeah, that guy. They're they're definitely the central focus of the movie. And um it's kind of like to to me the movie is kind of like about their dynamic and how they're so far away from each other in in terms of like their kind of like lifestyle and even like different states of mind and how they just kind of bounce back forth be- between each other um in their conversation. And um the other thing is like the visual presentation is is so beautiful to me this is this is probably one of the uh, most beautiful looking movies i've ever seen obviously it has a very uh very deep like red thematic color like the rest of the three colors trilogy does um 
and yeah to me it's definitely the the best of the three it's uh there is a narrative to the film but it's like not it's not necessarily the focal point it's really just about the visual presentation and the characters and um it also kind of tie it's the last of the trilogy so the way it ties back into the other two films is um I guess I would say like the most satisfying it's the most like emotionally um yeah satisfying one uh yeah I I highly recommend anybody who's seen any of the three colors films to check out this one because uh yeah it's it's fucking great it's it's definitely one of my favorite films of the 90s so yeah I'll leave it there amazing that's that's also my favorite of the trilogy um everything you said is just so spot on like it's really about their dynamic um just incredible performances and like i love the elements of like voyeurism in the movie especially in the first act um oh yeah something kislowski was always really kind of enamored with this you know kind of like the the male gaze but also the female gaze in the case of three colors red um and gosh like just the color scheme of this movie and and just the technical aspects of it all blended with the emotionality of the characters is just so perfectly balanced to me. It's like, yeah, I, I agree. One of the best of the decade, one of the best caps, like to, for me, if like of any trilogy, probably the best final film in any trilogy I could think of um, just so perfectly caps it. Yes. 1000% agree. And like I said, it's so beautiful. Like if you just look at any, shot of this film like that that to me is kind of what just like i need to watch this movie because it just it, it looks so visually stunning yes was that his final film before he passed was there anything else i forget if there was i think it is movies. actually um hang might on have to, might have to fact check that but shout out to carlos for drinking whiskey i didn't even notice till now <laughs> oh yeah dude <laughs> for the 90s <laughs> Have you guys seen them? Mike, I know you said you haven't seen it, but Carlos, have you you dipped your red in the red yet? No, I've only dipped my toes into uh, blue. In the blue. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen any other ones besides uh, Three Colors Blue, which I really enjoyed a lot. Uh, It's got my favorite actress in the world, Julie Binoche, in it. And and, um, she's fantastic in it. And that movie itself is thematically dense and really compelling and I, I i really enjoyed it um i just haven't got around to seeing the rest i mean i own the box set but i <laughs> haven't seen any of it like i've seen um i honestly i like three colors white doesn't have like the most resounding review so i've been like <laughs> yeah i've been yeah. really compelled to i'd really just want to skip white and watch the red but everybody says no watch white because it makes three colors red more compelling so it really does like it my, does my my roadblock here is just kind of like <laughs> i mean just not wanting to watch white so if i can't if i'm not wanting to watch white then i feel like i'm never gonna get to red so i don't know about about blair i don't know about you but like i think white's definitely a good film though i think it's worth watching i don't think it's bad it's kind of sh- straight down the middle for me I don't think it's bad, but I, I'm not even going to lie. And I'm sorry, Carlos, this is not going to help your case, but I thought it was pretty boring. I was I was not into the main characters, uh, but it's fine. I mean, it's good to just watch once and never watch again and just 
definitely worth it for red it's it's definitely worth it because red is like such a moving film it's really beautiful thematically and like i said visually so yeah, yeah. it's where it's definitely worth it to get to that point because like when red r- wraps up and everything comes together you're like holy shit yeah and it really it goosebumps. helps yeah it does and if seen white would definitely help so i recommend it how long it, is Three Three Colors Wyatt? Is it like an hour and a half? It's not over two hours, is it? I don't think it's that long. So uh, three and a half hours? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's the length of Barry Lyndon. <laughs> it's the human condition part one. It's uh, 92 minutes. So okay. Oh, that's that's pretty an hour thirty. Yeah. yeah. The longest one is red, which is a hundred minutes. They're all like relatively pretty short, so by the way, Carlos, I know you weren't huge on Double Life of Veronique, which I do mm-hmm. love too. But this Three Colors Red is so different. It's it mm-hmm. feels it feels practically nothing like uh, Veronique, and just more like a yeah, kind of in the same vein as the, the Colors trilogy. So I've no doubt we like it. You will, yeah. It's, I've never met awesome. a person that doesn't love Red, so <laughs> I'd be shocked. Yeah, I mean, from what I hear, that's most people's favorite out of the three. Yeah. So. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. I just I just gotta finally sit down and watch Three Colors White and just get over it. <laughs> watch it on mute, you know. It's like it's all good. <laughs> on a two times speed <laughs> on your phone while you watch it and like played Subway Surfers or whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, speaking of you, Carlos, what's your number? Uh, what's your number four? All right, dope. Um, so this is a film that I actually. I'm probably not gonna spend. We're probably, probably won't spend that much time talking about because I did bring it up in the uh, um, comfort films episode, um, but I couldn't help it. Like it is again one of those things where it just felt wrong not putting it into my top five of the '90s because I just love it dearly. Um, and that is the Big Lebowski. Um, yep. Again, uh, I kind of already went on about this film, but this is just like the apex of comedy. This is just. Cohen, I mean, this is actually my favorite Cohen Brothers film. Like, in terms of like a personal favorite, this is my favorite. Um, just a film that somehow magically just gets better and better on on on, on a rewatch. And with comedies, you wouldn't think that would be the case because like a comedy, you know, you kind of you feel like you know all the jokes. So even if you watch it a second time, you're still gonna laugh at it, but you're not gonna feel like you get anything new out of it. It's just there to enjoy it. But for some reason, like with a big Lebowski, it somehow gets funnier every time and you also feel like you're getting something new out of it every single time and it's just like such a blast to watch and it's a great like conspiracy film too like it's just kind of like poking fun at like conspiracy films and also like at like the uh um neo-noir genre too when you think about it um just kind of how you have a character that just kind of gets into one rabbit hole after another after another and after another and it resembles a lot of what you would see like in a neo-noir type of film, except this is more of like a goofball version of that. Um, but yeah, again, I, I don't want to go on too long because I did talk about it a lot already, but everybody's great in this. Um, Jeff Bridges as the dude, iconic. Um, I mean, Je- yeah, Jeff Bridges as the dude. Yeah, he's fucking really great. And then you have um, John Goodman as Walter Sobchak, which I-, I don't know. I think he might be my favorite character in the movie. He's, he's just so bust, yeah. He's just so good. Uh, everything, every time he's on screen, I'm literally like dying of laughter. He's just so fucking good in the movie. Um, is this your homework, Larry? It's just your homework, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the fucking money, and we know that this is your homework. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I love that scene, by the way. It's like one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> it's in the incredible, movie. yeah, yeah. Damn kid, fucking stonewall on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's just goddamn. I swear to God, that movie. This movie is just perfect. It's a perfect comedy, and it's a movie that when I watched it the first time, I didn't love it that much. Like I liked it. I thought it was you know kind of like just a fun, silly movie, but like I wasn't that in love with it. But like the more I thought about it, I'm like I kind of want to watch that again. So I watched it again. I'm like, okay, this is fucking really funny. And then I just found every single time I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah. okay, this might this might actually be one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> um, it, so yeah, it ages just like the finest wine possible. Because like whenever the first time I saw it, it was the same way. I was like, that was good, not but like not in love with it. And then over time, it just became like a top twenty favorite film of all time for me, and something I watch like twice a year. And like can quote front to back and like, yep. I don't think we mentioned this in the comfort movie episodes, but like some of the cinematography by Roger Deakins in this movie is some of my favorite things he's ever done just because it's so unique to the, to this film and like just images that really are just you that are like burned in my brain. Like even like the bubs, the, the, the dance sequence, like the musical sequence with in the bowling alley, just such gorgeous yeah. filmmaking, like yeah. on, on, on its level while being so hysterical um just like god like every beat of this movie i just i love to death dude even like the subtle humor that's not meant for laugh out loud shit makes me laugh out loud (laughs) like (laughs) just like the like body movements and stuff like that yeah yeah we were talking about that too yeah with philip seymour hoffman walking down the hallway and yeah it's too perfect um like when they go to the um when they go to uh walter's landlord's like uh uh like he's like doing some sort of like rehearsal performance or something yeah and he goes just like them sitting there watching that i don't know it just like it's not meant for big laughs but it just makes me fucking laugh a lot he lives by the in and out burger yeah (laughs) yeah good burgers walter (laughs) (laughs) it's just like the coen brothers like i'll talk about them later again but like they're my probably my favorite filmmakers of all time and that that, i thank god every day that they made that film (laughs) like honestly i'm so glad it exists and it's like the ultimate comfort movie too like that you brought up last time just yeah 100 you can pop this in anytime any place and it's just gonna be amazing (laughs) hard for me not to say it should be in the top 10 of the 90s i'll say that like i can't hell yeah in my heart it's like hard to say no but it was originally gonna make my top five but i knew me too yeah, so I was like, I'll just put it to the side. <laughs> I love it, but I guess I don't love it as much as um, everybody else here. Got to keep watching. It. <laughs> and I've seen it like three times, three or four. But I can attest, like first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, I was fine. But it, it gets funny. Exactly. Maybe the tenth time is when it becomes like a <laughs> transcendent masterpiece. <laughs> Literally, like I think I've seen it like twenty times, and yeah. like it's literally gotten better each time. Like the last time I watched it, I'm like, is this the greatest film? Is this yeah. the sight and sounds number one? <laughs> Usually but, I would take that as a joke. Like, Oh, you got to watch it 10 times to like it. I mean, to, 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 to fall in love with it, but it's just with the Bay Lebowski. I feel like it's a little bit true. Like, no, honestly, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not even, it sounds crazy, but. Movies in the national library of Congress. That's how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> there's a holiday. There's a cult Lebowski fest. Now it's like, yep. God oh damn. God. 
I, it's like a perfect pick for like uh, I mean the night like the like a nineties list. I mean, just I mean, obviously it's an, an amazing comedy, but like got to think about like how much like this movie influenced like it, it's like called mm-hmm. like called following like it, the, the literally the religion um, it inspired. I mean. <laughs> the national library of congress endless list it's uh, it's just such a cultural phenomenon like how could you not have it on like your top like top of the decade list it's really one of the quintessential comedies probably probably just ever made it's yeah. amazing yeah. amazing pick it's crazy Thank how you. it bombed so bad it bombed oh, yeah. so badly at the box office you know oh. at the time um which make honestly makes total sense because yeah. like even us who think it's like the greatest thing ever we're like first time i was like i liked it but not great imagine someone else is like that was the biggest piece of shit like after <laughs> watching fargo and like everything else they've done it's like yeah i can see it, that if you contextualize it now it's like that's like such a power move on their on their yeah. part to make a movie like that so it was one of those movies where they were probably like all right this is just gonna be one for us like yeah, you know like yeah. there's something that we know is hilarious they might not get it but i just <laughs> we we have to make this so they just made it Truly um, making a movie for themselves, which I respect. <laughs> yeah. I was just along for the ride. At least like it, it gained so much traction, like as the years went along. I'm I'm really happy about that. Me too. Me too. Well, Blair, quick question. Where would you rank the big Lebowski amongst the Coen brothers films? Um, Roughly. Give, give me one second. I'm going to look up what else. Cause I don't want to. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. They have a okay. lot of movies. <laughs> so. Honestly, I would put it as number three because No Country oh, for Old Men is my first, Fargo is my second, and yeah, Big Lebowski would be my third. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, so I'm definitely not a hater, but I just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to watch it again. Have you seen a, most of their films? Or are you? No, um, I dude, I love the Coens. They're I think they're one of the great, some of the greatest filmmakers out there. Um, but I have never seen like Serious Man, Raising Arizona, oh. Barton Fink. Oh. Miller's Crossing. Love all like those. That. Love yeah. all of them. You'll love them too, honestly. Like I, the, their seen, output is insane. I've seen so much Coen Brothers, but the two that I haven't seen that like I really, really need to see is Raising Arizona and A Serious Man. Oh my god, you need. I haven't seen those. A Serious Man is one of the most underrated movies of the past twenty years, in my opinion. Is it like, one of your uh, all-time favorites, uh, Jake? I, I, I remember. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, I only seen it once, but like uh, I, I didn't even know really what to say after it. I was kind of speechless. But um, it's more perplexing than Lebowski, like times five. Like it's really, it really challenges you. But God, it's I've gotten so much out of watching it over and over again. It's impeccably made, like every facet of it. It's like yeah, it as much like up me personally. I can really grasp everything on the first try. I mean. No, me neither. No, God, it's crazy. Um, I also took a Coen Brothers class in college, so I oh, nice. I was able to analyze that movie, like like pick it apart to death, and I just fell in love with it. I also wrote a pop- paper on Lebowski about nihilism, so that was great. Um, I wish I could share it with you guys somehow. <laughs> nice. um, but yeah, I, I couldn't say enough about the Coens. Um, and yeah, I'm so happy. I'm happy you picked that, because like that was... That's in my heart. That's my number, like two, one or two of the decade. Like for <laughs> real, yeah. for real. So, okay, um, definitely gonna switch the mood up here. But uh, my number four <laughs> um, is probably the most controversial film that's gonna be on my top five, just in terms of the reception of it. But fuck it, I love it. Um, but uh, it is Twin Peaks: Firewalk with Me. 
Yes. A film correlated with the Twin Peaks TV show. Um, I won't say too much about this, too, because I've, I've talked about this on the podcast plenty of times. Um, I think I talked about it on the soundtracks episode and the I think we did a sound design episode a while ago. But I think this movie is just not only such one of David Lynch's most experimental and, and daring films he's ever made, but just really one of the most thought provoking films on trauma and sort of PTSD that I've, I've ever seen put to film told in a metaphorical, you know, David Lynch fashion obviously um and i don't want to connect it to the show as much because like i i honestly think it exists separately from the show really well um obviously you have to see the show to really grasp this film but i think it explores things that are really set aside from the original show and more akin to i guess the twin peaks the return which i also love um but i think cheryl lee as laura palmer in this movie gives one of the best performances I've ever seen in a David Lynch film. Uh, in my opinion, I think the sound design, like I said, like is just designed just to kind of make you feel like her psyche and her anxiety and her dread. Um, and it's such an upsetting watch, like every aspect of it and kind of how it unravels is so upsetting, but it's a movie that really made me fall in love with Lynch even more. Cause like, it's such a daring take on the subject matter and, uh, a really popular TV show to make something this abstract and crazy. Um, and I know it doesn't resonate with everyone else as much, but like, to me, it's, it's one of the quintessential David Lynch films and it's got a killer soundtrack. It's got an amazing, like you guys were talking about with blue velvet last week, just the amazing middle America Americana feel to it that I just adore. And um, this is to me, it opened the doors for Lynch to make even crazier things like Mulholland drive and like, uh, um, Inland Empire and stuff like that that are more abstract pieces of filmmaking and um, and yeah just such a daring thing to do based off the popular show and I think is one of the most important films for his career as one of my favorite filmmakers ever so uh, yeah Fire Walk With Me um, I heard one of you guys say hell yeah so <laughs> that, that was me I, I adore uh, Fire Walk With Me and you know what I think I'm actually watching it tonight actually Oh, really? Because what's, um, what's the occasion? Yeah, there. I believe there's a movie night tonight in the Misfit Pond server, so I'll finally be able to uh, revisit it. I've seen it twice, and uh, dude, it's uh, it's it's easily David Lynch's darkest film, and it has both uh, one of the best performances I've like ever seen uh, with Cheryl Lee, Cheryl Lee as yeah. Laura Palmer. She's incredible in the movie, and it also has one of my favorite scenes slash slash sequences in any movie where they're they're at this like uh club basically and there's so much great visual like um storytelling with this uh great fucking soundtrack in the background with laura palmer that's chef's kiss one of my favorite scenes (laughs) ever it's it's so great i'm glad you mentioned that because that's the scene that always like I always sticks with me from that film and like it's like 10 minutes long and you can't hear any of the dialogue it's just so striking yeah it's um definitely one of my favorites yeah gosh um mike have you i know i remember you talking about this movie briefly i don't know if you've seen it or not uh um i've seen i've seen all of uh twin peaks uh the original series um but uh i've never seen this movie in uh full so i can't really comment too much um, I, I do have mixed feelings on Twin Peaks as a series. I over yeah. I do enjoy it overall, um, especially season one and uh, I'd say the finale. But um, I have not seen Firewalk with me. But the way the way Blair, I mean, described 
that one sequence just alone i mean does really uh, make me want to give it a chance because i did actually um try to watch it at one point like i think it was like like right after i finished the the series and i wasn't vibing with it all that much but uh again i'm, I'm more than willing to give it another try probably just mm. give twin peaks in general another go um to just i mean get the full experience but no i have not seen it Okay. The thing the thing about Fire Walk with me that people that I think people don't like is like the first 30 minutes are so weird and they're so bizarre. It's, it's yeah. so disconnected from the rest of the film. But if you like even if you don't like those 30 minutes, like it's so worth it to stick it out before stick you it out. get to before you get to like the, the main meat of the movie with Laura Palmer. It's so worth it. I love how effect sorry, Mike. Sorry, go ahead. I just want to say, I do remember like Bowie being in like the first like couple minutes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, what is going on here? Well, like, <laughs> it is so bizarre. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I love that experimentation at the beginning, though, because it kind of tests. He kind of likes to not troll the audience, but sort of like subvert your expectations in certain aspects. But then it makes like Laura Palmer's introduction and that whole sequence is so more so much more effective, in my opinion. Um, it sets the table of like the the themes of the movie and everything. I know it's like really weird though. Like it's not traditionally like the best intro to a film ever, but seeing it multiple times, I've come to appreciate what he was doing at least. Um, and and kind of appreciate the entire film as a whole. So yeah, I love it. What it, it's if I were to do my David Rich late David David Lynch ranking, <laughs> David Rich ranking. Rich. <laughs> what it, that's kind of a tongue twister. David Monkey Rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just at number two. It's my second favorite uh, David Lynch film. I love it that much. Um, so, yeah, that's my number four. Um, Mike, you're number three. Uh, my number three. Hold on. I just have my list somewhere. Um, my number three is uh, Buffalo 66 by directed by uh, Vincent Gallo. Hell yeah. So this is um, one of the two Vincent Gallo movies I've just seen in general. I know he has a, a lot of um, star starring roles, and I know this is just one of the two movies he's directed. Uh, but between the two of them, this is by far the other one being Brown Bunny. <laughs> this is by far the <laughs> way. I mean, I mean the best thing I've ever seen in, seen him in. Um, one of my favorite movies of the '90s for a lot of reasons, and one of my favorite romantic comedies. In general, this is a movie which I really um, haven't seen, like directing, editing, um, just acting like this unique. And um, I would say it's like super, super experimental or like just out there. But it's such it's such a like a singular experience that I feel like kind of only come from like the weirdness of uh, Gallo. Um, just like just right down to like the film stock uh, this movie used, which um, I'm not going to get super into it which uh, was apparently used for like filming like a uh, 1960s football games and football is like um, yeah. a, a central, like a theme of the movie. If you, if you've seen it, but uh, overall, this is such like a beautiful experience very, very unique, very singular, very, very hilarious. And um, just um, a movie that I, I just, I really does make me wish Gallo try more because um, his performance in this movie, um, it, it's kind of it's kind of typical Gallo, but I love the way 
um, his character evolves with uh, Christina Ricci, who's um, the the young girl. Like he uh, takes along with him because if you haven't seen, if you have not seen the movie, it is about a man who is released from jail, and um, he's he's basically he basically has nothing anymore. And the the crime he committed is explored later on. Um, but he's essentially a loser who needs to, who still uh, somewhat cares about like impressing his parents. So he takes this young girl just off the street and, um, kind of, kind of rolls with him to uh, pose as his like uh, fiance or a uh, wife. And, um, the whole experience is just, it's, it's kind of a movie that like it deals with like themes of like, um, um, I've heard like Stockholm syndrome in like a way and like the way the romance is explored but it's not it's not like weird it, it's genuinely this movie is so unique because it, it has like such a good heart it's very yeah. wholesome, especially towards the end which takes me by take always takes me by surprise because it starts off um kind of abrasive like vincent gallo in this movie is mm-hmm. a huge jerk he's his personality is is completely unlikable and i even when i first saw it it's like how like how is this like, how am I going to care by the end uh, about this dude? Like mm. this nobody. And uh, miraculously Gallo, Gallo's writing his performance um, and his uh, direction just uh, really just, just, just floors me. Like how uh, beautiful this movie is and like how uplifting it is, which again, first time I saw it, did not expect it at all. I, I thought this was going to be more of like a mean spirited movie. Like going in, I thought this was going to be like some knockoff of like, I don't know the, the the doom generation just from like the poster, but it is <laughs> absolutely not a very uh, pure movie about, I mean, a lot of things about like love about like uh, really dysfunctional families. Um, and it's just treated in a way that's, it's, it's very human. This is a very human movie, a very beautiful movie with a mm-hmm. lot of um, amazing, amazing uh, sequences in it involving on uh, music two in particular, Oh um, yeah, with, with uh, one of which is with uh, Vincent Gallo's a father in the movie played um, by Ben Gazzara, Jackie um, Treehorn from Big Lebowski. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one in a bowling alley involving Christina Ricci, which is still oh, yeah. awesome. love that scene. It's a perfect, perfect scene. Yeah. Perfect also, scene. don't forget about the last sequence in the film involving music by the band Yes fucking fantastic oh yeah, yeah. Love that scene too yeah this movie has like a killer soundtrack and like everything music in it um just serves a purpose is so memorable and just so good and um it's it's not a it's it is a movie that has very very out there choices um especially with its uh kind of like i wouldn't say it's a centerpiece or maybe it is with like uh this like family reunion dinner or Vincent Gallo brings Christina Ricci to meet his parents. It lasts like a very long time, but the way I Gallo um, like lets the humor through the scene flow and um, while making it feel like very awkward at the same time, is just so awesome. And um, it just works. It works amazingly. And this movie, it was just such a huge surprise. It's by far just one of my favorite um, movies of the nineties, just for how singular it is. Um, I mean, it just has like really like cult classic like written all over it. I don't think enough people. It is a movie that is popular, but I don't think enough people have seen this movie um, as much like as like a Big Lebowski because um, I, I <laughs> like um, kind of compare these movies a little bit. They both came out in '98. There's like a huge emphasis on bowling <laughs> at a at a point. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, incredible movie, just super super memorable, and definitely just one of my favorites of the '90s. 
Love that you picked that. I like I said, I I told you guys before that that was I was going to be in my top five, but I switched it out for Twin Peaks, especially when Mike had said that's going to be in his top five. But I I have the movie. I love the film. Um, This is a movie I was very obsessed with, like when I was in college, sort of discovering more films. This was like to me, it was like one of the greatest independent films I'd ever seen. I still stick by that. It's one of the greatest debuts and sort of character character studies romances ever put to film and you know vincent gallo say what you will about what he turned into but like this was this was such a lightning in a bottle film just so incredible and hilarious i think it's a very funny movie uh, at times like really darkly funny like his him just like talking about how he's like i'm used to driving luxury cars not this piece of shit like (laughs) stick shift car Like Dude. right after she kidnaps Christina Ricci, it's just like what am I watching right now? But I, I'm I'm it's just so infectiously directed and acted. Uh, you're just along for it. And just so many revealing things, like one of the most revealing movies about any person actors ever. So totally agree with everything you said, too. It's just, just such a perfect film. I feel really lucky that I got to see Buffalo 66 in uh, 35 millimeter this year. And oh, that's amazing. Uh, it's one of the best movie experiences I had in a quite a long time. Cause everybody was so into the film and like, luckily everybody was laughing like during the times I would expect them to laugh. So it was just a great time overall. Like during the spanning time sequence, I was yeah, yeah. dying to the point where I, I couldn't fucking breathe. It was so funny. We're in here spanning time. Spanning time. Every- <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to waste another dollar. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, God. I I I really love that film. I, I dude, I don't think I've seen it in like three years or something. But yeah, it's I, been a while. But I really, really love that film. Uh, I'm glad you picked it, Mike, because I think it's awesome. Um, yeah, and that that again that sequence and then we never get the third act with uh that song by yes but i don't i don't want to give away to spoil it but that song in particular like i already loved that song like that was a song that i knew like for years before i even saw that film and i really loved it so and when that, it's so crazy because like i would listen to that song and i thought to myself oh this would like 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 i even thought to myself I was like well i think one day i could try to like get their rights to this and like use it in a film or something. I think, I think it'd be really cool. And then I watch this. I'm like, Oh, well, fuck. There it is right there. <laughs> Gallo beat you to the punch. Oh, yeah. Damn. But it was like, he used it so well. Like he used it to like the most of its potential. And I, I extremely admire him for that. Like he used it so fucking well, like the, 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 the sound of the song is blended just so incredibly well with like the visuals and yeah, just really, really great stuff. The energy yeah. of that scene is fucking insane. Yep. Like, it oh, really yeah. gets you, like, I don't know, pumped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does. The, the visual style of this movie is incredible. Like, Gallo always talked about how he was influenced by, like, Ozu films and, like, German expressionism and stuff. Like, it's a really visually just pleasing movie, on uh, you know, in terms of the, the look of it. And, like, when Mike said, the film grain and stuff. Um, also, like, if you guys haven't seen the video of Vincent Gallo talking to the critics about this movie it's one of the funniest 
Vincent Gallo things ever because he's just obliterating all these critics who didn't like the movie (laughs) and just like going after their personal lives and everything. It's so funny. What? Um, I gotta watch that. (laughs) Just search Vincent Gallo versus the critics on YouTube. You you will not be disappointed. Um, His whole uh, feud with uh, Roger Ebert. Um, Oh my god, yeah. For the brown bunny, yeah. He wished wished cancer on uh, Roger Ebert and his wish wish came true. Like, quote unquote, Uh, I'll put a hex on uh, Ebert. Holy fuck. (laughs) He's a witch. (laughs) But then Gal is a fucking witch, dude. (laughs) (laughs) They made up, I think, later on, but yeah, it was like so funny. Um, Yeah. Great movie. Um, um, I, I feel like we're all we all advocate for it pretty hard. So yep. I foresee good things happening for it later on. <laughs> uh, Blair, what's your number three? So for my number three pick, I think I am going to go with probably the most wholesome of uh, our picks. So this is Funny Games by director Michelle <laughs> Hanukkah. Hell yeah. I love that film. I, I, you, you actually tricked me. I was waiting for something wholesome. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I was like smiling. Yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> No, well, uh, this is a film by my uh, favorite director. Um, uh, so there's anybody who knows this movie knows there's two versions of it. And um, for, for a while, I did prefer the remake also directed by the same director. Um, but after watching both like more than twice, I I definitely think I prefer the 97 one just literally based off how in insanely visceral this experience is like mm-hmm. um the two performances by the the parents in this film they're gut-wrenching like i yep. can't that is an understatement like the fucking uh faces they make and like the way they're genuinely terrorized is like really hard to sit through yep. yeah. and um i love anxiety inducing movies like a lot those are like my favorite and um honestly the first time like you see that eggs the egg scene like play out i was an intensely uncomfortable like i was just like god damn it and and obviously the film just spirals from there like it just completely like uh sets you up for something normal and then just goes this down this really deep dark path of just like toying with this family and also toying with the audience um uh, a lot of mo- a lot of people don't like this movie because they feel it's kind of preachy. Personally, I don't feel that way. I definitely think that the director had like something he really wanted to say in a very abrasive way. But um, I don't personally think it's like saying, hey, stop enjoying like violent movies. To me, it's kind of more like a like a thought exercise or like some kind of like way to get you to think of how you kind of enjoy movies uh, especially violent movies because he's right um you know you watch a movie like scream or some shit and it's like you're kind of just having fun with at the end of the day people getting fucking sliced and uh and and murdered but this is like done in a way where you're like you unless you're a fucking like psychopath you do not root for the fucking villains of this movie like you just want to see the suffering stop and um i mean i don't necessarily want to spoil it but it's uh it doesn't really end on the happiest of endings um this movie is pretty much the uh 
definition of unforgiving. And um, obviously it's famous for not having that much, um, even at all. Like there's like practically no on-screen violence, but yet it feels like one of the most violent movies you've ever seen because of uh, how well the direction and um, acting is. It's um it's pretty much up there in like um in the conversation of like uh solo and stuff when in terms of being like the most disturbing films, but um it, it could like honestly have like a a BG thirteen rating if it came out today just because there's no like gore or anything. But um mm, that's yeah. interesting because yeah. he uses a lot of like sound design in the off screen space to like get in the audience's head what exactly is happening and it makes it even more terrifying at times and i think like hanukkah was brilliant for being able to do that in this film absolutely and uh there's like there's like one sequence in particular that from a filmmaking standpoint it's like insane it, it involves like a, a very 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 long take where yeah. a character has to like do these actions that like there's no like getting around it. She's actually doing these like um these like really tough actions that their character has to experience. I I I'm keeping it vague just in case you haven't seen it, but it's it's intense. Um but yeah, I don't know what else I could add to funny games. I think it's a one of a kind experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's an incredible movie for sure. Um I I always forget that there was an American remake. And I, funny, I've heard a few people say they prefer the American remake, which I haven't seen, but there's something about not knowing who the actors are in the original that I feel like might might be what I prefer. Because I know the remake has like Naomi Watts and Tim Roth, right? And it's like... That's one of the things that I I, I love that you pointed that out, that, um, I mean, it's harder to... um. I mean, it's, it makes it better that, like, the actors in, like, the original are, like, more people, like, you've never seen, unlike, like, Naomi yeah. Roth, because um, I saw the, I saw Funny Games for the first time when I was, like, 11, and um, Jesus. Just, it's, like, art house movie with, like, <laughs> these actors I've never seen in these just horrible scenarios just made it all the more disturbing and just, uh, like, unforgettable. Um, because It just really felt like I was just witnessing, like, a real family um, just yeah. being completely by these. yes and also to me like a fucking huge thing about it too is that the the first one it it does like when it comes to the um like color grading and the color palette the original it's a lot more natural looking like when you compare the 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 color palette and the color grading with the remake the the american remake looks it has that like classic 2000s like color like dull color grading kind of look like it's very gray and um just looks like uh, it's like void of like any natural color it just looks kind of very again just looks gray as hell it does look like 2000s horror sorry for interrupting yeah thank you like it but like the original it just looks like you're like uh, all the lighting looks natural and every and, and the and the color grading looks natural so i think that adds to that level of like authenticity along with the fact that we don't really know, you know, as Americans, we don't really know who these actors are really. Mm-hmm. And like, and the, and the performances like Blair touched on are more visceral. Like they just come off a lot more like just, you could feel the suffering from the family. I think a bit more in the original than like in the remake. And mm. that's saying a lot because I mean, Tim Roth and 
um Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts is in the remake and they're fucking phenomenal actors but something about the way the suffering of this family is portrayed in the original like Blair said it comes off more visceral and um I think those two things real. Yeah, and it totally does. The performances and again I think the color grading just kind of go a long way with the original. Yeah, absolutely. Um also I want to admit that I haven't seen a lot from Mikel Hanukkah at this point. I've seen the, the piano teacher that um, I think it's called like 71 Fragments and a more. So you haven't seen did, the cachet? I have not seen the, cach- <laughs> the cachet. Uh, that's definitely where I want to go next, but I've always, you know, honestly, okay. fun, funny games and piano teacher were so hard for me to watch. It's kind of hard for me to go back. Um, that's understandable. I, I do eventually want to conquer Mikkel Mikkel's filmography because there's so many like compelling looking movies like the is it the white ribbon I think it's like the black and white one that looks really interesting um, oh, I know great. you got I know you guys adore cachet so that's like that's, that's always his, high on my must see masterpiece yeah, yeah to me to me that's his <laughs> to me that that's his best film in my opinion I, I'd agree I, yeah I'd agree. that film is oh my okay. god that movie is just really hard to pick a favorite from Hanukkah honestly I've seen everything up until funny enough his last three movies so like um yeah Ribbon Amour and a uh, happy end um but yeah like i love funny games piano teacher is amazing i love 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 uh the seventh continent which is actually me too debut. me it's too gets yeah that's time. like his debut right that's his first yeah. movie basically yeah, yeah. damn debut. that movie's that fucked up like that movie ruined my day <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, not is, a lot of really movies is. ruin my day but that movie put me in a shit mood the whole time <laughs> <laughs> the amazing part is like not much like really even happens on screen in that movie yet it's like so just yeah. horrifically uncomfortable and just like awful to sit through but there's not really like that much on screen kind of like funny yeah, yeah. but um i i don't even know which one like i i'd say impacted was like more impactful they're both so disturbing and just so it's it's weird with the with the uh, seventh continent because it's like, it's almost like the symbolic gestures of that movie is just what mm-hmm. fucks you up so much. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ! Like it's not even like it's not even like I mean yeah the context is fucked up too but like again it's not even about necessarily like you know characters or gore or anything like that. It's a lot to me at least what I got out of it. It's a lot about observation. Honestly. Yes, like and 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 what we just see unfold, um, again symbolically speaking, with these characters, yep. the actions that unfold with them is just like, it's just it's almost unlike anything I've seen. Just the way yeah. that it's kind of put together, and the fact that this was like Hanukkah's first film, basically, is just kind of mind blowing because it's so effective. Jesus, it's a fantastic well, movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. damn, that gives me a big incentive to watch that next. So. Yeah, um, it's great. What year did the piano teacher come out? Is that the yeah. 2000? 2001. Wow. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a big fight for the 2000s, that or cachet. So I know. Uh, yeah. Well, I know Carlos is going to go for one. I'll let him go for that one, but I got a different one in mind. <laughs> no, I know that's what I'm saying. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know your guys' taste. So I know it's going to. I'm going to try to watch cachet before that episode, by the way. So. Oh, please do. Uh, I will. I will. Um, I, I piano teacher is a masterpiece, so I, I know that that's my favorite I've seen I, by far. I agree, King. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's so good. It's so good. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Carlos, you're next. Yeah. You're number three. All right. So my number three is a pretty fucking obscure pick. Um, uh, I don't think like very many people have seen this film. So, um, <laughs> so um, you know, I'm sorry if it's not like something that you've ever heard of, but sorry. Uh, it's, it's a film called Toy Story 2. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> and and um, I'm sorry, like I have to pick this movie. This is my favorite animated film of all time. Um, and I know it's cliche. And I know it's not like a normie saying that, but like this film to me is genuinely brilliant. Um, I mean, I really couldn't ask more for like, an animated film that's mainly aimed towards children, but it's still so incredibly compelling for adults. This right here is just like the masterpiece of that. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, what can I say? Uh, I think it's perfect in every way. Um, I just love like all of the themes, all of the character arcs, uh, the animation is really great especially you know in comparison to the first one a lot of people kind of dog on the animation of the first one which i i get um but it is early on you know in the 90s you know it's kind of understandable why like computer animation wasn't at its best at the time but like you know to me the animation in toy story 2 still holds up pretty well um it's really very great. well yeah um and uh yeah i mean the humor is fantastic uh the new characters that are incorporated into the film like jesse and bullseye and uh, stinky Pete. Stinky Pete. <laughs> the prospector <laughs> Stinky Pete. <laughs> um, they're all wonderful characters and they all have their place in the story and the themes. Um that the the one sequence with Jesse's song, it is it is oh the my most God. devastating cry. song I've ever heard. Almost devastating sequence that I've seen in any animated film, really. I'm with you. Um, God, and so good. It's just I mean, all I have to do is hear like the first piano notes and I'm already in tears. <laughs> like, I too, man. And it's just, Same. oh, it's so hard. It's just a beautifully heartbreaking sequence about, about a lot of things. It's, I mean, you, I mean, in one way, it's about how we all grow up and abandon the things that we used to love. And another way, it's, it's about, you know, it's a whole other layer to it and like trying to imagine what, those things that we abandoned what if they could feel that and it's just oh my god oh. it is so fucking heartbreaking um but so beautifully done just i love that sequence so good um but yeah again like overall i just think like in terms of narrative in terms of humor in terms of animation uh in terms of incorporating new characters into the mix um it's just all masterfully done and again, I think this is like the earliest memory I have in a theater as well, as I mentioned earlier. So, um, yeah, this is, I mean, in a way, I guess it's a personal pick, but at the same time, I feel like objectively speaking, I think it deserves a spot here. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'll stop talking about it, but I just, yeah, I love Toy Story 2 to death. That's why it's number three mm -hmm. on my list. I just want to point out only on this podcast, we can go from talking about Mikel Hanukkah, Toy Story 2. <laughs> It's such a seamless fashion. So I, I think, think it's a base pick. I think it's a base. No, I, I, awesome. it's my favorite Pixar movie. So I'm just, I'm overjoyed that you brought it up. Um, honestly, was like heavily considering putting it on my list and I saw you put it on and I was, I felt vindicated. 
Because um, I genuinely, until I talked to you about it, I never met, besides like me and my siblings, no one else loves that movie as much that oh. I come across, like, which is shocking because I'm like, it's like Pixar's magnum opus, like at least in my eyes. And like they, people go towards like later films, like Up and like Wally and stuff, which are great. But like Toy Story 2 is just... Your what you said about like it's 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 a complete film above like the Pixar formula. Like every mm-hmm. there's character arcs, there's like the whole the montage where he uh he fixes Woody up um is like just oh, artful, yeah. so artfully edited and animated. Like it's so it's so gorgeous and like it's the themes are so relatable for an animated movie. Like it's like the first animated movie yeah. I remember. I was like, I could like really see myself in these characters and like in this world. It's just yeah, like the, um, the yeah. part where, where you mentioned where he's like um uh cleaning up Woody and then he uses mm-hmm. like the very ending of it, he, he uses the paintbrush to paint over the, the name Andy oh over God. his boot. I'm like, that is just like visual storytelling that it's visually storytelling. Yeah, there you go. Exactly God. what it is. God, even um, even Igmar Bergman couldn't do that shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want Perry to get mad at me again. It's all right. <laughs> One thing I, that I rem- oh I'm so sorry. No, no, go ahead. One thing that I that really sticks out to me, even as a kid, uh, and like to this day, is um, that third act of Toy Story. It like it like becomes almost like a Steven Spielberg like action film at the airport. Like that scene, those uh, sequences really stick out to me. How it's like yeah, Indiana Jones at the airport or something. Yeah, yeah, like using that con- the conveyor belts and like the luggage bags as like all these um, obstacles and stuff. Like it's really fun. I I love it so much. I do too, Mike. I'm I'm sad you haven't chimed in yet. What's your? <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's, it's been like probably well over a decade since I've seen Toy Story, <laughs> but um, I mean, I'm now I'm really dying to just give it another watch. Uh, I have been a um, I've been on a Disney kick lately, just like the classics. So um, I mean, we'll definitely fit that one in. Um, I, mean, I don't um, have to. You got to in so long but no that especially the way i described that one sequence um use utilizing visual storytelling is really amazing to me and like i, I don't even remember uh the movie being like that artful i mean i, I remember <laughs> being a great movie obviously but um if you guys are holding it up to that uh caliber i mean i got i gotta rewatch it so i mean yeah it's it's, it's great to hear i mean great amazing pick <laughs> like it really props to you <laughs> <laughs> thank you it's been I'm so I'm just relieved because it's been a long journey of me trying to convince my friends that love Pixar too that it's the best one. And now I feel more vindicated because it's on the podcast and yeah. I don't think it's, I have a, like a definitive like favorite uh Pixar, honestly. So um I mean that probably is the best. I mean, <laughs> if it's you guys are holding it up that it's, uh, ca- it's canon now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not my favorite. No, yeah, it's not my favorite, but I do will say I think it is like their best. I'd say my favorite's probably Monsters Inc. Still to this day. Monsters Inc.'s incredible. I love yeah. the Incredibles. No, mine's the Incredibles. <laughs> Incredibles is. Uh, I'm not surprised, Blair, but because it's it's my probably my favorite. But Toy Story Two is like the mo- the best. Yeah. If someone exactly. like put a gun to my head and said the best is Toy Story Two. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, it, we did a full episode of Toy Story Two. If you guys want to check that out, like a, two years ago. Really? <laughs> yeah, we did. So much yeah. we love it here. Yeah. A crazy thing about Toy Story Two is that apparently it was like 
it was like essentially it was meant to just kind of be like a straight to DVD kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't even meant to be like this big, like great movie. Uh, but then like John Lasseter, I don't know what happened exactly. I forgot, but like John Lasseter, he either caught wind of it or like something happened, but like he basically got onto the project and he just completely like reformed everything and made it to where like, you know, this is actually going to be like a legit fucking movie. And he turned it like a, he turned like a straight to DVD kind of bullshit movie into like one of the most amazing sequels you've ever seen. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. You can imagine if that did go straight to DVD, like God, like a movie of that caliber, that'd be shocking. And that uh-huh. means like, if that was the case, that means we would have never gotten probably like toy story three or toy story four or anything like that. No. Oh. Do you guys do you want them to keep making Toy Story movies? Fuck or should no. They, should they hang no, it up? Not, no. <laughs> I'm, yeah, down. No, they... <laughs> <laughs> I'm down for it. I don't give a fuck. I don't mind. They'll be they'll be pretty good. I like Toy Story 4 more than most people do. So I, I won't I don't care. It's not a great movie at all, but like I, I'm a fan. I, I think it's a great movie. The last like current I own it on Blu-ray. I, I you know what I'll say it's great too. Carlos. I'm not a fan Hell yeah. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, I mean that's, that's it's, fair. That's it's fair, not as good as any of the any of the previous ones, but it's still a great movie. Yeah, shout out to Josh Cooley. What a what a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'll say. Hell that. yeah, Josh Cooley. Props for me. <laughs> All right. Um, love that we got to talk about that today. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do my number three, and it's good to go based off Toy Story two because I also have like a family oriented film here. Um. Definitely one that young kids will like more than us, but fuck it, I gotta bring it up. It's uh Michael Mann's Heat. That was a joke. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> we all did the fake preamble, so I had to do it. Um no man, I mean Heat, uh well what else do I need to say? I'll keep it short. I think it's 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 one of the best crime epics in American history on film, in my opinion. I think it's Michael Mann, um, to my knowledge, like he 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 has a hard time getting films made. And like this film was like this, this film did not do as well as he had hoped, which is like so shocking to me and the apex of like two of the greatest actors of the yep. generation coming together. And it didn't like do gangbusters. I don't know how that's possible, but to me, like those, that's like two of the most underrated performances in their filmography. I think they're both magnificent in that movie. And I think people that love the movie put them to that regard, but I think Pacino and De Niro are so Pacino's so coked out and crazy that it's like it's it's hilarious. It comes full circle. It's being hilarious at times. It's just so he just takes so many risks as an actor. But like on on the flip side, like De Niro is so calculated and cool and and kind of like menacing. Like the the polar opposite sort of tones just clash so perfectly. It's just such a satisfying. Like you were saying, Toy Story too. Like the the character arcs in this movie are so perfectly encapsulated towards the end um but everything about this movie like i think shooting on location in la it's like the way he shoots la is just so gorgeous and like memorably just so michael mann-esque and you know kind of like the blue tints and the 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 digital filmmaking is just so perfect has maybe the best shootout in cinema history uh downtown la shootout after the bank robbery goes wrong and like i was saying with sound design with twin peaks like it just shatters your eardrums um and yeah, like movie, but that shootout is freaking incredible. I, I've seen it like over. You saw it on 
You saw it on Watch Mojo or something, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest, <laughs> greatest shootouts in, in film. Um, but even the ensemble, like uh, John Voight to Val Kilmer and Danny Trejo and all these people, and William Fickner, it's just... It's just the definition of a crime epic, in my opinion, like in the likes of Scorsese and Coppola um, and uniquely Michael Mann's vision. And it's a movie that I watch probably once a year. And it's like it never ceases to amaze me that he pulled off this, such a daring, ambitious and just I always just come back to this movie, just such a satisfying watch every time. And like the ending is just so magnificent. Um and it, you know it's long it's a long it's a, it, you truly feel like the weight and the emotions come full circle in this movie um and the, of course the coffee shop scene how did i not mention that like one of the greatest pieces of conversation ever put to film and like it really where shot reverse shot becomes like an art form you know when to cut to, to each of them when to cut to a wide shot um and the dialogue is just so profound um so yeah um the, the the family oriented movie Heat uh, is one of my favorite movies. Um, what do you guys think about it? I uh, shout out to Bill Bill Griff because he pushed me to watch this movie for like honestly like a year straight. He every single time I was like, "What should I watch tonight?" He would always reply Heat. <laughs> and finally this year, I pulled the trigger and watched it. And yeah, oh, I nice. I fucking love this movie a lot. Um, Pacino's performance in this movie is. One of my fucking favorite things ever. He's insane in this movie. Yep. Um, and obviously Robert De Niro is no slouch. He he kills it too. Um, yeah. Those those two are like what make the movie for me. Like obviously all the um, action elements, which like there's they're kind of uh, oh, far away from each other, but they're so memorable. Uh, but the, the character moments between those two are genuinely like what make the film for me. Totally. What's Al everyone's Pacino's. favorite Pacino quote from the movie? She got a great ass. Yes. <laughs> Obviously. That one um, with the TV where he's like, you can. Oh, yeah. So, you, you, you can't can fucking my watch. wife. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> can't my watch TV. my television set. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love what he's talking in the very beginning when he's interrogated. So what is they're sitting there like, give me everything you got. Just screams out of nowhere. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Just like the perfect coked out Pacino energy brought to this movie. I've only seen it once and I liked it. I wasn't like that fucking huge on it, but I feel like I need to watch it again. I feel like I have a lot of fun with it if I watch it again. You have to. Um, Please do. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I forgot. This made it. Sorry. I forgot the one quote from him, but it was, I don't want to quote it. I'm going to butcher it because I don't even know. I don't even remember what the fuck he said. But it was Pacino. like a part, of, yeah, Pacino, yeah. It was like a part where I don't know what act it was, but he went out. He's like, they're like looking for Robert De Niro and like his fucking gang, oh, know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and he's like, he like knows that they're like, not, they're like looking at him from like afar. And he's like, you, I forgot what he said. But he's like, you're you're looking at the FBI or something like that. I forgot what he the said. LA <laughs> Police Department. This. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> That's such a great and, scene. At that point, he's like losing his mind. He hasn't slept in like five weeks, probably. Yeah. They're looking at us. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, Al Pacino is my favorite fucking actor. Like legitimately. He's, he's, he's oh, yeah. Actor. He's up there as mine as well. That that film kind of solidified it for me. He's like really up there, too. I love him. 
He's like when his wife is like breaking down. He's like, "You're never home." You're. They're like at dinner. He's like, "You're never home." Like, what are we gonna do? He's like, when we hooked up, baby, I told you we, this will be the deal. Just, you can't talk normally in any conversation. He just has to bring <laughs> some sort of affectation or whatever. But it is crazy too because at like the first half of his career, he's like very different with his performance. Like, I mean, not completely different, but like, yeah. As he gets older, he gained more of like a raspy like voice. And now, like, he just, he has, like, two halves of his career where he just, like, has completely different shticks to him. It's just, like, yeah. <laughs> really great. I credit that to, like, Brian De Palma and he and Scarface probably yeah. changed his whole, like, idea of performing because he just went all out. And he's like, I got to do that every time now. I love I performance do in Scarface. Something. Oh, yeah. God. He's so good in that. <laughs> I've never seen... Uh... Uh, Godfather Pacino, so I have no frame of reference. Oh, he's yeah, yeah it's totally it, like what Carlos so said. Different. Completely different performance. Yeah. All amazing, I know though. is Scarface. Oh, he's he, yeah. yeah. Godfather 2, like especially, he's like on yeah. another level. Like, he should have won an Oscar for that, but whatever. Yeah, De Niro won, I believe, right? For uh, I think so. For playing, playing young Vito. Yeah, Vito Corleone. Yeah. Um, um, Mike, are you, are you a Heat guy? Sorry, Carlo. Um, oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> I've never seen Heat. Uh, unfortunately, I've always been saving it for the right time because knowing um, how like great um, Michael Mann uh, captured that movie, like the action of like uh, downtown LA, and just it, considering it's just like uh, this huge, just crime epic. I, I've always been meaning to check it out at like the right moment. Um, but no, I sadly have not seen it as much as I really, really want to. Um, but yeah, no, that one shootout though, um, you brought up. Um again, I've I've seen that one bit like over and over, and it really is like I gotta see this movie like right now. Um I've always <laughs> really admired Michael Mann like as a filmmaker, though. I think the only movie uh, to my knowledge I've seen from him is collateral. Um love that I, one. I love the way like he um like captures like a uh, nightlife, um like in the city. Um so oh, filmmaker in terms of like uh, capturing like action so um definitely definitely a movie i want to get on like asap beef is another michael mann that i highly recommend to people uh it's like really early on his first film i believe and that movie is just beautifully beautifully constructed and james con's incredible in it so i'm a bit i love michael mann i know we haven't talked about him on the this out uh, these decades yet but this is definitely the one to his magnum opus to bring up in my opinion so all right, Mike, you're you're on your number two. Yes. So I brought him up a little bit ago. Um, Danny Boyle. Um, so my number two pick is train spotting. Um, what can I say about train spotting that hasn't really already been said? I this is easily one of the most definitive movies of the 90s in just so many ways. I mean, culturally, I mean, was, I mean, this is a huge box office smash. Uh, when it came out overseas in the United States, I mean, the soundtrack was super popular. But uh, to me, I mean, Train Spotting is—it's really a movie that's gotten better over time. I've had oh, probably over a decade to sit with this movie. Uh, this is one of the earliest movies I saw in like my film journey, and it's one that I come away every time just getting something new, um, and just really just constantly having my mind blown uh, by this movie by just how timeless this movie's themes of like uh, addiction um, are. Um, it's, it's a movie that is, it's, it's very nineties. This is a very, very nineties movies, but this is a very timeless movie. I think in its themes, um, 
but it's it's done with uh, so, so much style that I think Danny Boyle, while he's made some like really like awesome movies over the course of his career, I don't think he's ever captured better um, in Train Spotting. I mean, this movie, his direction in this movie is freaking crazy. Like um, some of the sequences in this in this movie have really just been burned into my memory forever. Um, I, I don't even know what, like where I could start. I mean, the the one that always comes to mind is um, the scene with Perfect Day, which I think is one of the best instances of um, uh, Danny's uh, direction in this movie. How creative and just how how mind bending this movie is for a movie that really is very dark and captures, I think, um, like really the horror of drug addiction in a very respectful way, in a very tasteful way. Um, but also in a way that's just, it's very, very fun, just like very like explosive. And um, again, I, I this is such a, a special movie to me that I, I always just get something new every time. Um, the cast is really just makes, just brings the movie to another level, uh, particularly Ewan McGregor, which I don't know if it is my favorite performance by him. It, it almost certainly is up there. Um, but I think he does such a good job in this movie. He's so committed um, to like a lot, a lot in this movie, like physically, uh, mentally. I, I don't know. I mean, like how this movie, how what his experience was on this movie, like behind the scenes. But um, he puts so much um, into this character of Renton that um, is just so unforgettable. Just goes through just so much over the course of just like 90 minutes. And that's another thing I love about this movie. This movie is like unbelievably well-paced um, and quite a bit happens in the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so much I could say about uh, Train Spotting, but I, I think it's, it's one of my favorite movies of the 90s. I think it's one of the most like culturally uh, defining and um, just just really a movie where I wondered like what happened to this Danny Boyle? Not not to throw shade at his other movies because like I said I do enjoy a lot of his movies, but I think this is like like almost like a lightning in a bottle moment for him. Like he's never been better. It's by far my favorite thing he's ever directed, and um, yeah, um, amazing movie on all fronts. Just really powerful stuff. Real really just. I think, I mean, it's a movie that I think is pretty accessible, but at the same time, it goes many places. Um, just put that pushes the boundaries and just, just amazing movie all around. Totally. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> the soundtrack's incredible too. The Iggy Pop mm-hmm. and like New Order, Lou Reed, like, God, it's like such one of the best soundtracks of any 90s movie I can think of. Um, and re- I rewatched that movie like a couple months ago, actually. And I was always struck by not only the drug addiction aspect, but like the third act of this movie is really him like dealing with the fallout of his lifestyle, which I always loved. It's kind of like him. It's kind of becomes like a coming of age sort of movie in a way where he's trying to find his place in the world. And like, obviously, it ends awry and like sort of the they kind of resort back to their old ways. And the sequel that came out a few years ago expands upon that. But yeah, like. I, I agree. I'm a big Danny Boyle fan, especially his earlier films. And like, there's he's such a explosive, just like visual style and sensibilities as a filmmaker, just so interesting. Um, and that's definitely his easily his best movie, in my opinion. So I agree with you. <clears throat> yeah. And there's so many like memorable sequences in that movie, too. Um, like the first like overdose type sequence is really creatively oh my God, done. Yeah. 
um the fucking toilet sequence beautiful um yeah. the fucking withdrawal sequence with the fucking baby oh like, my god there's so many just memorable really great and creative uh types of uh filmmaking moments that like you just can't help but fucking appreciate and love so yeah i also really love that movie a lot yes yeah blair do you got any thoughts on uh transpotting uh i like train spotting um but it didn't honestly it didn't really connect with me as much as i thought it would especially with all the praise it got but i mean by no means it's it's like it's a great movie and uh culturally defining is probably the best way to put it when it comes to what it did for films in the 90s and yeah yeah i don't, I don't see danny boyle like topping it like if i watch any of his other movies you don't think yesterday yesterday is a better movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, wasn't gonna bother with that shit. <laughs> I actually kind of want to see it. I don't know why, but I, maybe you're still, a Beatles the, fan. Yeah, I love the Beatles. Oh, there so, you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does fit perfectly in that '90s mold of like post Pulp Fiction films that were very, you know, kind of mm-hmm. personal crime movies that were very underground, sort of visceral movies. So. Um, a lot of British movies like Guy Ritchie, Danny Boyle, obviously we're doing them. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great movie to definitely define the 90s with. Definitely. Um, uh, Blair, what's your number two? My number two is a film from Mr. Parent Teacher Association <laughs> called Boogie Nights. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, not my original joke. I forgot who I stole that from. But um. Oh my god, Boogie Nights is a movie like I remember when I first watched. I was like, you know, uh, PTA is such a great filmmaker, but this is like always ranked among like his uh, lowest. So I just threw it on one day before like <laughs> before a day of work, and I was like, holy fuck, that was a fucking masterpiece. I to me, it's personally one of my favorite uh, PTA films. It's one of the most entertaining films I've ever seen. Anytime I watch it, that runtime just uh, flies by. It's a, it's a, I hear it getting compared to, to like Goodfellas and stuff a lot. And um, personally, I don't really see, see it that way. Like there are similarities with it being like an ensemble cast. And it's about like this kind of seedy organization or, you know time and place if that makes sense but uh i think uh it really makes great use of like that porn industry um in the film and uh everybody's performance is fucking fantastic i i'm not a fan of mark Wahlberg like at all but he does an incredible well uh he does a great job in the in this movie um he's like kind of the perfect casting for for his character and um Man, I love how kind of like almost lighthearted and uh, fun the the majority of the film is. And then it just has a completely dark uh, tone shift in like the third act. It's it, to some people it's like jarring, but to me, I I love it. It it makes the movie like a little more compelling. <clears throat> um, trying to think of what else I could see. It just uh, it, it's like. It's not maybe not one of his most like thought provoking films. Like I would probably give that to like There Will Be Blood or even like The Master. But um, 
I don't know. I, I definitely think there's so much like expert creativity and expert directing in Boogie Nights that's like undeniable. And um, I wouldn't fault anybody for having it as their favorite uh, PTA film because this movie is just, it's so entertaining. It's so funny. And it's expertly crafted, in my opinion. That that ending scene, or not, the, not it's not the ending scene, but that sequence with like Jesse's girl and the fucking, uh, yeah. The drug Alfred the Molina, dr- yeah. Yeah, Alfred Love Molina. That moment. Sister Christian. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> There's so many like layers to what makes that scene work. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. Uh, how do you guys feel about Boogie Nights? Amazing. Love it. Love I it. Love it. Love it. I adore it. Mm-hmm. I think um I think anyone's PTA's favorite movie every anyone's favorite PTA is, could be any of his films, you know, besides Heart Eight, maybe or Inherent Vice. <laughs> um, and Boogie Nights for a while was my favorite movie, my favorite PTA movie. Um, it's kind of shifted, but I still everything you said, I totally agree. It's just how infectious and high energy it is in the first two thirds. I just love and it's just so fun and lighthearted and uh, the camera movement, the one takes and the soundtrack, everything, how it culminates is so perfect. And then getting really dark in the third act. Like I never, I saw that movie really early on in my film watching days. And that was like a really shocking, like twist of tone. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So totally. I, I adore Boogie. Yeah. I, I could say so much more about it, but for time's sake. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Incredible yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that there's like this one, like cross cutting section where the tone gets really fucking dark. And I was like, yeah. Whoa, some of the best cross cutting ever. My yeah. God. Like, between like three different plot lines going yep. on. It's like, God. Uh, just Burt really Reynolds, great filmmaking. Burt Reynolds and Julianne Moore also, I got to say, are just fantastic in that movie. Got Oscar nominated for, for that movie too, which I don't know if a lot of people remember, but um, they absolutely deserved it. I mean, especially Burt Reynolds, such a rest in peace. But, um, Rip, maybe, yeah. Um, well, now like fucking Mark Wahlberg is ashamed of this movie because he's like a bitch. <laughs> Little pussy ass bitch. Little pussy ass bitch. <laughs> I don't. That's fuck why with you. That's why I was like, oh, like Mark Wahlberg's really great in the film, but no, uh, Burnt Reynolds and uh, Julianne Moore are by far my favorite performances of the film. Oh yeah, John yeah. C. Riley, I love in this movie too. He's great. Yeah. Sidekick. Phil William Hoffman. H. Macy. William Macy. Don Cheadle. Like everyone just comes to life in this movie. So, and I credit that PTA script is like. One of the best like early scripts of any filmmaker that just like gives any actor so much to pull from. And like you like we're saying with like character arcs, like this movie is some of the best fulfilling character arcs ever in any movie I could think of. You know, like when the Beach Boys song is playing at the end and like every you see everyone's life kind of like shifted or stayed the same. It's like ah, oh, it just brings chills to my body thinking about that ending. Mm-hmm. I'm a star, I'm a star. I love it. <laughs> um, I'm going to talk about PTA definitely more in the 2000s. I'm sure oh, we yeah. all will. Um, he made many masterpieces later on. But um, Carlos, what's your number two for the 90s? All right. So my number two is um, a film that really I should shout out Blair because he was pushing me to watch this film before I even knew who this director was or what this film was or really anything. And it's a film called The Celebration. Oh, nice. Um, yes. Yeah, this film rocked my socks off. Um, Thomas Vinterberg now, I mean, 
at least with film i mean even like even like um 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 another round which is like his more recent work um but you know especially with the hunt and now and and the celebration he um he deals with such like heavy and mature content in such a delicate and nuanced way that i just respect so much like here with the celebrations specifically it's about abuse i won't go i won't tell you like exactly what abuse it is for those who haven't seen it yet but it's basically a film that's about abuse and kind of explores in depth as to why um victims of abuse are silenced and it's i mean it is it's part of the dogma 95 movement where you know filmmakers like Lars von Trier and Harmony Corrine and uh, obviously Thomas Vinterberg they were using basically like bare bones filmmaking like they couldn't use like any kind of like production value really they had to make a film out of bare bones equipment and he made something that just felt so fucking raw so authentic so insightful so emotionally heartbreaking and he just delivers a powerhouse um of an art piece here it is so engaging from start to finish and um just the way that again that he handles these themes the way that he handles the narrative and how the themes unravel within the narrative um and the way he just kind of concludes everything within this film is just just it's a it's a piece of artistry that i just admire so much um yeah it's again this is this is a film that you know i would kind of i guess proceed with caution um it's not like graphic or anything but it does deal with like heavy subjects about abuse and um but the way it handles it it just it, it handles it, it handles it with such maturity um and in a way that I just I just respect so much and it overall like I think this film in terms of the writing the directing the acting uh is pitch perfect um everything about it is masterful and I wouldn't change a damn thing about it it's just beautifully written I love the way all the characters are woven throughout the narrative and it's just a fucking brilliant film overall it's just such an impactful and emotionally moving piece of filmmaking and I can't recommend it enough so yeah, that's why it's number two. I love this film so much. You know, I, I watched this for the first time a few days ago. Because um, I knew we were going to... So we were at least going to bring it up um, in this episode. So, And I, I agree with everything you said. I was blown away by this Hell movie. Yeah. And the, the stylistic choices were so... The editing choices were so crazy and experimental. But... and like the way things are revealed about abuse and like childhood trauma are so profound mm -hmm. in this movie and just stick with you. Like there's, there's character moments that just stick with you for a lot. It's only been a few days, but I just can't get out of my head. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I agree. Thomas Vinterberg is one of, in my, in my eyes, one of our greatest working filmmakers based on every movie I've seen from him now, like the three we've mentioned are all perfect movies in my opinion, of like yep. 10 out of 10 masterpieces. So I agree. I think I think it has a rightful place on your on your top five. I didn't uh, bring it up because I knew somebody else was going to bring it up. But yeah, <laughs> celebration goes so fucking hard. <laughs> it goes hard. <laughs> <laughs> Weird Criterion cover, but you know, yeah, I kind of I kind of dig it. Jesus, <laughs> the Jesus cover. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. The the fucking. Uh, 
menu screen has I am a god playing. Eight oh eight is blaring when you press blue. Black skinhead plays in the credits. You know, a great movie about high society, too. I love I mean, we've been all loving succession recently. And like this was kind of a great companion piece to like what we've been seeing on there in a way, just like these mm. elite families that are so far gone. And like they mentioned like Freemasons in this movie, I remember, and just like terrifying, like how how, you know, it felt so real. And like you, you're kind of trapped with these people for like two hours. It was it's really something. Um, So I'm, I'm happy. I mean, Mike, have you seen it? I've only seen uh, The Haunt and uh, Another Round, but I mean, both of those movies are phenomenal. Um, I don't know why it's taking me so long to see The Celebration, but um, I will get there one day. And I'm, well, you you, you listen to Yeezus, right? So I have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, that's uh, that's your number two. I'll do mm-hmm. mine really, really quick because Mike already brought it up, um, which is Taste of Cherry. Um, I, you know. <laughs> don't have much more to add i think you summed it up perfectly but i i always loved what agnes varda talked about this movie once really briefly and she said the desire to die is so hard to to portray on screen um and kind of encapsulate all the emotions that one must go through before a suicide and i feel like that movie someone like kiristami who's so meditative and and kind of just intimate with his subjects like i feel like that's the perfect filmmaker to tackle that sort of subject matter like you said um and i kiristami's always been labeled as the driving filmmaker you know someone who depicts characters within the confines of their car and i always found this film to just like utilize that enclosed space of the car and kind of contemplative nature of driving by yourself and the landscape sort of like informing uh, the emotion as they go, which I think is really interesting. And I, I feel like that movie is next to some of the, the Cocker trilogy does it like the best. Um, I said the Cocker tri- trilogy without even like a pause. I just call it that. Now. Uh, I think that came from you, Mike. I'm pretty sure yeah, it, it was. Cocker trilogy. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's a masterpiece. I have nothing really else to add. I think it's one of the best like final 20 minutes of any film like you're saying with that final interaction like i i i literally this movie took my breath away at multiple points and kiristami is a master and uh that's really all i have to say i know (laughs) you said you said it perfectly before so that is my sentiment unless any of you guys have any other taste of cherry things to add but um it's great yeah Um, it's a great it's a great movie <laughs> great fucking movie, Taste of Cherry. <laughs> um, and like I said, I can't wait to talk about Kiristami later on, which I know we will. Uh, but Mike, yes, your numero numero uno film. Numero uno is a little unknown movie, a little unknown indie <laughs> movie called The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> is it A twenty four? I never heard of it. <laughs> is it a neon release? <laughs> <laughs> nah, but I freaking love this movie so much. And I mean, I know, I mean, there's not really much more I can add to it, to the decades, I mean, of reflection and ad- adoration this movie has had. But um, to me personally, I mean, The Shawshank Redemption is pretty much like the, the epitome of like, I'd say like a perfect movie. I mean, 
I won't say, I mean, it is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life, but um, it is in terms of, I mean, my own film experience, this is one of the closest movies I can think of to just like being completely flawless, just on every uh, facet uh, possible. I mean, the the performances in this movie and like, um, especially like Morgan Freeman's uh, narration are just so, just so like freaking flawless like every there's not a weak link in this cast like everybody adds something um to Andy Dufresne's um journey throughout this movie which spans a really long freaking time um but there's not like a single moment in this movie that doesn't have some sort of significance or that doesn't add to the um this movie's message about like hope and um just uh, just it's just incredible I mean from like um uh, Brooks uh, to Tommy, um, like the warden, like everyone just brings so much to this movie and um, so many just unbelievably amazing moments that are just rank among some of my favorite uh, sequences in movie history, like Brooks's monologue or uh, like the last, just even like the last couple minutes of this movie um, are just so good and just so emotionally uh, breathtaking um frank darabont's direction in this movie this most recent viewing i had which is like a mo- about a month or two ago i just casually watch this movie like every couple of years and it really is like the gift that keeps on giving um i've had i mean i've had like many 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 years to to kind of sit on it um just, just really amazing and uh, roger deakins obviously did the cinematography too so this movie looks um immaculate and um so many just beautiful um just beautiful takes just um really brings the setting of the Shawshank uh, prison to life so well just I mean it is horrible and it's it's super ugly but um Frank Darabont brings just so much like humanity and just light in this um just awful setting that I think is super admirable and it just makes me really sad that Frank Darabont kind of I mean more or less just like quit filmmaking I'm not sure um the only other movie I have seen from him what is like The Mist unless I'm blanking on anything else, but um, I, I Green think... Green Mile was one. Green Mile. I, I haven't seen the Green Mile, unfortunately. Oh. Um, but no, his his vision for this movie and, like, the way he just captured these emotions and, like, this message is just really just, uh, just a complete triumph, in my opinion. And, yeah, I mean, it's my favorite movie of the 90s. I personally believe it's the best. Um, yeah, not much more I can add, just amazing movie just brilliant movie just on every single facet in my opinion nice my personal favorite scene of that movie is the opera scene when he's he locks the guards in the bathroom and oh, they're yeah. all kind of like yeah. I, I like honestly tear up just thinking about that just like because there's an amazing crane shot of like everyone listening to the music and it's like yep. holy fuck just god it's it's just a beautiful movie it's my shout out to my mom that's her favorite movie of all time so I've, i definitely have a special connection because like we watched that movie all the time growing up and i still i still love it so i'm happy you brought it up and you're so passionate about it too yeah we actually recently watched and discussed that film in my discord which five dollars a month by the way you can join discord (laughs) um but yeah it was a blast talking about that film because i hadn't seen it in so long and when i rewatched it i was like damn yeah i i completely understand why this movie is hailed like as highly as it is um yeah i love i love the Shawshank redemption everything that you said mike I, I i completely agree with it it's fucking awesome yep blair are you a Shawshank? uh, uh um i think it's a really good movie 
Cool. You didn't want to see it for a while, didn't you? Like, I remember that. You're pretty. <laughs> well, Perry, Perry was the one. Okay, so Perry, like, uh, we had like a movie night together, IRL, and um, yeah, I was a. Uh, I was pretty happy for that experience because I got to watch it with a good friend of mine. Um, but I mean, like, you know, it's I think it's a good movie. I, the, I mean, the whole like, Haley, I don't know. It, it's like people really love it. And I'm like, I'm happy for them. I'm just like, well, you know, damn, you're never going to be invited to the IMDb party that I'm throwing. party. <laughs> 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 the top two we're gonna watch all of them dude <laughs> go through all the christopher nolan movies yeah inception <laughs> inception number five <laughs> like is that number five holy no, shit it's, it's like top 20 though I, I think the dark knight's like number five right yeah it is god what a what a, what a shit what show awesome <laughs> that website should be like put on a flash drive and burned in a volcano <laughs> or something like, <laughs> what a joke <laughs> like 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 in the Lord of the Rings, is to take a trip to a volcano. It's to done. Show that in there. <laughs> we gotta get Elijah Wood to do it for us. <laughs> oh man, I love no no Loki. I I love the movie. I'm not you know, but I could see <laughs> it is one of the most you know talked about you know movies ever yeah. made. I'm I'm not trying. Yeah, I'm not trying to like invalidate anybody's experiences. That's why I'm just like no saying, no yeah yeah. I mean it just didn't connect with me as much as everybody yeah else. yeah it's just totally fair um carlos you looking for the blu-ray <laughs> i was looking for a blu-ray but i can't find it so i'll save it i got it look at that. <laughs> oh yeah i have a really cool blu-ray i don't know where the fuck i put it but yeah but it has like a cool booklet and shit with it oh, oh hell yeah the, the digibook yeah i got this like fucking walmart brand cover here <laughs> you barely even see it but i bought mine this- like five bucks <laughs> yeah so i think so yeah mine's the same cover but it's a digi book but it's a digi book yeah yeah i but. yeah frank darabont i don't know what the hell happened to him but like uh, i'm pretty <laughs> sure the mess was like the last thing he ever drank and i was oh seven just crazy I, I don't know, like, yeah I really liked the style. I mean, while he was around, I mean, definitely got a little bit more um, rough around the edges. I like uh, the mist, how he went more handheld, but I, I like his really like raw approach to like, um, just like human drama. I, I think he had a very distinct style. And um, I mean, hopefully one day he'll come back, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Sadly. Um, but yeah, great pick Blair. What's your number one? I'm guessing it's not Shawshank. Uh yeah, it's uh it's Forrest Gump. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. IMDb no, here. no, no. <laughs> My number one is a well, I'll preface by saying I'm not necessarily saying it's like the best movie of the 90s, but I think it's amazing and it's definitely like my favorite. So it's uh Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue. Oh nice. Uh, Hell yeah. This is a this is the movie I kind of credit for like getting me into like um art house like films and i guess art house like animation because i i was not familiar with like any um like auteur directors or whatever but i remember like coming across perfect blue on like the internet and um and watching the trailer i would just watch the trailer like over and over because something about it felt so different and so fucking eerie and atmospheric that like are literally things that 
are my favorite parts about watching my favorite movies today. Uh, the film is like amazingly directed and edited. It's uh, it perfectly combines kind of like this nightmarish uh, quality and like blending it with reality. Like you'd never know what exactly is real and what's in um, the main character's head. For those of you who don't know much about the movie, it's just about this um, Japanese pop idol who's retiring from her career. Um, and she has this like crazy obsessive stalker who uh, kind of is just unhinged basically and uh, following her around. And it's how the main character is just like paranoid about the whole ordeal. And uh, it just like, kind of distorts her reality basically um it kind of has like a pretty eerie parallel with um a real life case like i won't get too much into it but it involves like uh, bjork uh there there's a there's a scene well there's a real life incident with bjork and her getting mailed like a fucking bomb and that has like a parallel in this in this movie it's pretty mm. fucked up yeah um basic point saying is like this movie has like a lot of like real life uh stuff where like you know how fans can get fucking this crazy parasocial relationship that can be dangerous if not like checked um but also yeah i think this is like one of the best psychological uh horror movies out there in my opinion it's it's personally my favorite um and yeah i i i truly think satoshi khan is like a master director he was a master director when he was around um because yeah this this is one of the most important films to me in my like film history i think it's amazing and i hope uh everybody else here can uh, at least appreciate it of course i love takoshi khan he's from what i've seen i haven't seen tokyo godfathers but from the other three a master true master and like taken way too soon like, yeah, yeah, just, just yep. yeah. I saw Millennium Actress for the first time this year, and my God, what a masterpiece! Oh, that's like, such a great film. Yeah, I just, really, really want to see that movie. I haven't seen it yet. It is so he articulates certain feelings that like I could never put into words. Honestly, like that's the best way to describe that movie to me. Um, and like again, like our relationship to fame, like kind of like building off Perfect Blue in a way. Uh, just so interesting and so thought provoking, and Perfect Blue is probably his uh magnum opus for sure. So I Paranoia Agent, the, his uh, uh television series. I want to watch it really bad. Like after watching Paprika the last time, which was just like a week ago, um, I'm like I need to watch uh Paranoia Agent. I've seen like eighty yeah. percent of it. It's it's really good. Like I I would recommend for just from what I've seen, I would highly suggest it. I mean nice yeah i haven't seen it but jen has seen it like back when she was like a teenager and she said that it's like such an amazing fucking show so i want to watch it one day me too seems amazing um you know uh i know interesting about perfect blue i think like darren aronofsky like bought the rights to that movie in order to make black swan which i always thought was very interesting because like really similar imagery in both of those films 
Um, yeah, actually, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I know he did buy the rights to the movie, but in uh, Requiem for a Dream, mm-hmm. uh, the one shot of uh, Jennifer Connelly in the bathtub was uh, lifted actually right from Perfect Blue. And I think yeah. he bought the rights for that scene. But, oh, um, really? Yeah, no, okay. no, I think that's how it went. Um, baby, Never mind. Okay. Really shot for shot. But um, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah. It's like Perfect Blue has more in common with uh, Black Swan. I'm not. I'm not the kind of person who says like Black Swan is just a rip off or anything. I'm just saying. They, no, I love that movie. Yeah, they share a lot of similarities. But Mike is uh, right. Like uh, that that scene in Requiem with a tub is directly lifted from Perfect Blue. Like, mm-hmm. damn, complete homage. Interesting. I haven't seen Requiem in a long time, so I guess if I rewatch it, I'm like, oh shit, yeah, there it is. Um, because like the plot of Black Swan seems so much like he kind of he was inspired by Perfect Blue at least. So yeah, very influential movie and definitely it's deserves a spot on our top ten, which it will. Um, so Carlos, what's your what's your numero uno? All right. So my number one film is a film that we all love, and it's called Forrest Gump. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> thank goodness <laughs> i do love forrest gump though fyi i don't give a fuck i love that movie <laughs> to death it's an amazing film it makes me cry anyway um, that's fair that's fine <laughs> my my actual number one film is a martin scorsese picture and it is goodfellas um just couldn't pass up the opportunity it is one of my all-time favorite films and to me this is not only martin scorsese's best but it's also my favorite <laughs> Um, I mean, it's really hard to declare a Scorsese best, really, because there he just he he just made so many fucking masterful films. But um, Goodfellas is just the the perfect blend of stylistic filmmaking meets like accessible filmmaking. Um, Martin Scorsese has such a distinct style in this film, um, whether it's using like that like dark violent humor or utilizing like classic rock music as a sense of irony um you know all that is just like woven throughout the film and it's a film that like it's again it's stylistic and it's creative as hell but not like so like experimental to the point where like you know only certain people can love it this is a film that you don't have to really love art film to love it's a film that anybody could just watch and just absolutely love and adore um and it's dripping with style. That's the amazing thing about it. I love films that are dripping with style that are very accessible. And Goodfellas is a film that I feel like embodies that perfectly. Um, brilliant characters, amazing story, uh, brilliant performances. Robert De Niro, the legendary Ray Liotta. Um, in peace. Yeah, this is my God. He is insanely good in this film. Um, Joe Pesci the fucking uh you know what the fuck is so funny fucking <laughs> scene funny how funny how <laughs> uh that scene is like uh, the, the amazing part about that apparently that a lot of that was improv from joe pesci yeah. and then it created one of the most iconic scenes in film history um so yeah uh i mean the film is just so great it has everything that you would love out of just like an entertaining film and um yeah i mean the fucking cocaine use is hilarious and also amazing (laughs) um and 
yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about this fucking movie, but it is to, to me that my favorite uh like gangster mob film it is i actually prefer goodfellas over the godfather personally um which is kind of a hot take but like i feel like i could just watch goodfellas like any day every day the godfather is maybe a little different but um yeah just an amazing film from start to finish it's to me it's a masterpiece and by far one of the greatest films ever made i'm i'm with you i think it's i think it's better than the godfather just in terms of rewatchability and artfulness too because like you were he sneaks a lot of like i always think of the scene with robert de niro smoking the cigarette uh, cream oh yeah sunshine of your love and it's like an amazing like art piece within this like gangster movie and like yeah he loves to sneak like kind of like yeah like the one take sequence into the cabana like just very artful things that are just blend seamlessly with that movie and i agree i think it's like everything scorsese was culminated in his career just like different stylistic tones and subject matters he was kind of like interested in kind of ble- that's kind of like the magnum opus of everything he's been working towards at the time um and yeah it's a movie that me- means a lot to me like my we watch it like every year on my brother's birthday and like make a bunch of pasta and sit down and enjoy the <laughs> hell out of it and i just it's just such a that's amazing it's like the most rewatchable movie in my in my life next to like the big lebowski so um it's an obvious pick for sure, but I think it's like really it needs to be here. So I think if yeah. you were going to pick it, I think Mike or someone else, we were all saying we're we would yeah, pick I it at one point. I believe it's just it's just a perfect film. What what more could I say? Yep, I'm glad we all agree. Do we? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think I, I think Blair like. Personally, prefers Casino over Goodfellas, but uh, maybe I that's have a to good, that's a, Casino. That's a cool take, though. I think uh, it's a good no, take. I love Goodfellas. It's just it's not my top three Scorsese. That's that's it. That's really. fine. There's there's so many good movies, you know. It's not. Yeah. It's really hard to pick. Casino, yeah. I think, is also an incredible movie. I do so. love Casino. It's that's great. It's, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk more about Goodfellas, but I need we need to wrap up our list. I, I so, know. Yeah. <laughs> like Fair enough. There's so much I can say. Um, I, I love it. It's gonna be, it's gonna be high on the list for yeah. sure. That's for sure. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy, two times. I was just about to say that. <laughs> we have to at least squeeze in Jimmy two times for a second, right? I need to go get the papers. Get the papers. There you go. More like it needs to be two times on this list. Yeah. It gets two. Sp- <laughs> uh, okay. Um. I can't follow that up with a better film with, with it's hard to follow that film up, but I'll try. Yeah. Um, my number one, again, a pretty obvious pick, but it's, it's, I, I true. I believe it's the best film of the nineties. Personally. Uh, it's Fargo by Joel and Ethan. Oh Cohen. yes. Nice. Um, Bill, building off of what Carlos was saying about the big Lebowski. Um, I just, the Coen brothers are just, I think just geniuses on every level. Definitely. You know, some of the best screenwriter directors we have um and for a while like you know fargo is the movie that i feel like one of the, at least one of the coen brothers movies that gets us all really into the coen brothers because it's an essential film um and like i said earlier i took a class on the coen brothers and there's so many movies i just kind of got lost in and like kind of like this might be my favorite and that might be my favorite and that one and it is lebowski is my favorite but i think fargo is the <laughs> most layered and completely just 
perfected movie that they've ever made. Um, I, yeah. I think the script is like, it's hysterically realized and like obviously the language and the of the each character is so well realized and obviously translated to the performances like i said francis mcdormand in this film is like sometimes like one of my favorite performances on film i think she's just so great but also william h macy as the uh the kidnapper, they, the yeah, the the yeah. schemer behind the kidnapping, and the freaking car salesman. <laughs> yeah, I'm cooperating here. <laughs> Just so good, my what, God. What the like, heck you mean? What the heck do you mean? <laughs> God, like. He just reminds me, I grew up in the Midwest, and like so many of these characters, just remind me of like these kind of like well mannered, um, kind of just afraid of confrontation individuals that I just relate to them so well. I don't know what it is, um. And there's just like there's many aspects of this movie that just really hit close to home for me while being just an amazing crime epic. Um, Steve Buscemi and Peter Starmari are just so funny together. Like he's so good in the movie. So they're sitting in the car and he's like, it's like, why don't you say something every once in a while? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, how about the silent treatment now? You, you're gonna yeah. like it too, buddy. And he just keeps talking and he's like defeated. <laughs> it's just brilliant writing on every level. Um Similar to Goodfellas, I can go on, but I just like, and like this movie has like a very comforting Midwest feel to it. I and like I live in California now, so I kind of watch this movie whenever I kind of crave that sort of home, home, home feeling of like comfort and like kind of well mannered people. Um, I just love it. It just it speaks to a lot of my sensibilities when it comes to film, and a really intriguing as hell like mystery and and like it just it just says everything in my opinion for like a tight 90 minute movie so uh yeah that has that just has to be number my number one it gets better like with lebowski it gets better every time i watch it so you betcha betcha you betcha i agree Uh, i i adore fargo a lot so good um (laughs) I, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, if anyone has anything else to say, we could start with the uh, making the list, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's just let's do this. Um, so obviously our number one films are making the list. Uh, we got Shawshank Redemption. We got Perfect Blue. We got Fargo and we got Goodfellas. Um, so those are automatically in. So I'll, I'll do what we did last time. I'll just go through everyone's list and like yay or nay. That'll be the easiest way, right? Um, and if we got honorable mentions, I feel like we can shout them out before we after we do this. Um, I definitely have a lot, but for time's sake, I'll try to dwindle it down because <clears throat> goddamn, it might take a while. but. Uh, for Mike's list, uh, number five, Beau Travel. Um, I haven't seen it. Me that's either. a tough. That's a tough one for me, man. I love that movie, but I might have to say nay because uh, there's so many other movies on Mike's list I want to say yes to. So, I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> nah, nah, oh, yeah. I know, I know, no, like a lot of us have seen it, but um, oh yeah, I I love the movie too, though. So it's I it's hard to say no. But Taste of oh, Cherry, I said yes. yes. I say my, yes. That's on my list too, so I obviously have to say it was. Yes. It was originally on my list. It was on my list as number two as well. Oh shit! Okay, yeah. So that's that's in there. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo sixty six. I want to say yes so bad. 
Me too. I want I want to say yes, but I just I think realistically it won't make it. That's yeah. I that's, think something else might take it. I'll put an asterisk, but that's fair, Carlos. Um, train spotting. Nay. I would say yay. <laughs> Damn. I, I, I'll tough, say right? yay. I'll say yeah for now, but it's just so many great films. So I don't know. I know. I'll put an asterisk on that one too, because we gotta I don't want to run into the last time where we ran out of movies when we got to like the last person. So yeah. But those are heavy consideration, I in my yeah. opinion. All right, we'll go to Blair's next. <clears throat> Three colors red. I would say yay, but I know a lot of you, you guys said you hadn't seen it yet. So yeah, I haven't seen it. That's yeah. kind of tough. Fuck, I love that movie, but um <laughs> uh, I'll pass. I'm sorry, Blair. That's fine. I love that movie though. Oh, I, I forgot to say Crash. I'm sorry. Cronenberg. I mean, I, I know that's not gonna make it. So <laughs> I already I'm not gonna fight for that. That's fine. You know I would defend you though. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that's fine. Uh funny games. Uh, uh. I do <laughs> um personally, I, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't I, either. I, I love it, but probably no, just up against everything else. I don't know. I know. Damn. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Boogie Nights, hell yeah. Yeah. I I would say yeah. I'll say yes. You you said yes, Mike? Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Uh Carlos's list is gonna be hard because like I, I would say yes to all of these, but um, eyes wide shut. Yes. 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 <laughs> Mike? Yeah, I'll say yeah. Oh, my God, we're going to run out of movies. Big Lebowski, yes. I'd say yes, obviously, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll say no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm counting the movies real quick. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have seven in right now. God damn. Uh, you said no to Lebowski? Put an asterisk. I think it's All fair. right, I'll put an asterisk. Toy okay. Story 2. Yes. Um, I, would, I, I would say no. Personally. Oh, no. Mike, wow. you're shitting on our childhood. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll yeah, asterisk no, that one, too. Yeah. I'll asterisk that one. Uh, Festin or the Celebration. Yes. Oh, come on. Yes. Absolutely. Mike? I, oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you haven't yeah, seen it. Haven't. Okay, I'll, I'll start. I'll start for now. Um, secrets and lies. That's my list. I would say yes. Yes. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Shit. <laughs> I'm gonna start though for now. <laughs> twin, <laughs> twin, Twin Peaks. I already know is a no because half of you haven't seen it, right? So yeah, I haven't seen it. That's okay. I, Heat. I also, you know, probably not. That's yeah, okay. I love it. Ah, fucking okay. That's fine. <laughs> All right, that's that's all of them for now. Fargo makes it. Um, let me count real quick. We got Shawshank. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, so we got one room for one more to uh, fit in that we haven't mentioned yet. Huh. That got asterisks at least. Okay, what um, are the, all the ones with asterisks? Um, wait, shit, did I not count Boogie Nights? Hold on. <laughs> so hold on, sorry. <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, we're at nine. Okay, the asterisk films are Train Spotting, 
Buffalo 66, um, Big Lebowski, Toy Story 2, and Funny Games. God damn. That's oh my tough. god, that's awful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I name the movies that we have in there? We could like, I don't know if you guys want to switch one out or something. Yeah. So we got okay. Shawshank, Taste of Cherry, Perfect Blue, Boogie Nights, Goodfellas, The Celebration, Eyes Wide Shut, Fargo, Secrets and Lies. Yeah, I wouldn't switch any of those out. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is tough. I'll let you guys, I mean, you know, deliberate. Personally, personally, I mean, I'm not gonna go the Toy Story <laughs> two train, but I think that the Big Lebowski. You know what? Big Big Lebowski was the one I was like most inclined to say yeah to, like for, I mean, to move on to the list. I mean, same. It's one of my favorite movies, but I feel like Mike's getting shafted right now because he has two Train Spotted and Buffalo sixty six. I, between the two, I'd probably go train spotting, honestly. Well, I am cool with train spotting, honestly. I mean, I would rather, I mean, obviously, I'm biased. I would, <sighs> like, I would like the big Lebowski to make it, but I find being fair, I think train spotting makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah. And look, the Coen brothers are my favorites. So I'd, I, I would love to have for them to have two movies, but should we give shine to train spotting or Buffalo 66? I, think, I love Buffalo 66 more than both of them, but I think I like okay. That's really hard. I think I like Buffalo 66 more than train spotting, but I'm trying to like be a I guess objective, like culturally speaking. <laughs> no, I know I agree with you. I <laughs> I do, but in terms of diversifying the list of filmmakers, you know. And it's my fault because I put Fargo at number one, but uh, no, you're good. I don't know what to do here. I'm at a crossroads. But I did look, I'm I'm not against two Cohen brothers being in the list. I'll just say I'm that. not either. I'm not either. <laughs> not I just love Buffalo and Train Spot in a lot. And I I don't I, it's hard for me to throw them under the bus that quickly. For me, really, in reality, it's between Big Lebowski or Train Spotting. That's the way okay. I view it. All right, that's fair. Cause because what, what what are the other ones? I'm sorry. What are the other ones in Asterix? Buffalo 66, um, Funny Games, Toy Story 2, Lebowski. Well, I know Toy Story 2 ain't going to make it. (laughs) I would put it in personally, but... I think I would too, but since Funny Games getting fucked, then fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) What about... Uh, Hear hear me out. What about Jurassic Park? (laughs) Oh, yeah, we didn't do our honorable mentions yet. Hold on, hold on. I would put Jurassic, Jurassic Park's one of my all-time favorite movies, but Same. I feel like other people are like. I mean, I love Jurassic Park, but I mean, fuck, I'd rather have Big Lebowski in there. Blair's <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck, fucking fuck Schmaltzberg. <laughs> yeah. I have a, a few honorable mentions. I don't think they'll make it, but I have Chunking Express, Lahine. Oh, dude, Lahine would be a good one. Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> no one brought uh, it up. I, but, uh, I really like I really like Lahine, but I'm not like I guess as huge on it as everybody else. What about South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut? <laughs> Ooh, I do love that movie. That's I do love that movie. Yeah. Movie. Um, yeah, honorable mentions. So I probably yeah. Uh, what are your guys's? Um, of all the honorable mentions, I have I, I'd say Welcome to to the Dollhouse. Love, oh, yeah. that, love movie. that movie. 
I would put hap- happiness too as a honorable. I was option. thinking of like picking between happiness and welcome to the to the dollhouse, and I just feel like welcome to the dollhouse is just I don't. It just feels like a more universal movie. Just um. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a gr- great it's movie. Yeah. Blair Carlos, do you guys have any honorables? There's three honorable mentions I really want to mention. So, uh, Audition by Takashi Miike. Love uh, it. Gummo by Harmony Kareen. And um, uh, End of Evangelion. But that's not going to make it, of course. I just yeah. want to mention that one. No, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I love I love Gummo. And, and uh, what was the first one you said? Audition. Audition. Yeah, yeah. Love that one. What about a uh, cure? Cure's I love cure by but... Kurosawa. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Um, Princess Mononoke. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, I do love Princess. Mononoke I would put too. Toy Story two though over that. If we're I, nah, not me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, no, yeah. I, I, no. I, I mean, that's love. that's fair. It's probably a better movie, but I, I, Toy Story two is is too special to me. Yeah, same. Uh crumb. The documentary. Oh yeah! Crumb. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hold up. Close up. Hold up. What about mm. pulp, pulp Fiction? <laughs> oh <No>. yeah. <laughs> Jake was Jake we was said not we going to bring this. that up. <laughs> no, nah, dude. Somebody's going to be like, "How did have they not mentioned Pulp right, Fiction?" You mentioned the it. First two hours. Of you mentioned it. We can move on though. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about like like Reservoir Dogs? Even like, no. I, I love Reservoir. I love. I love. Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown a lot actually, but I, I personally wouldn't put him on the list. Damn, Honorable bro. mention, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro, we're, we're about to have a top ten nineties without Pulp Fiction. Up, Terry, That's crazy. Yeah. I wanted, it, yeah, I was hoping no one's gonna bring up the honorable mention, but you have to bring it up. Yeah, uh, true. I guess so. Then I'll bring up the Matrix. Fuck it. I was gonna bring up the oh, Matrix. Oh, dude, I love the Matrix. What the fuck? I love oh, the yeah. Matrix, but I put I Jurassic really Park above all that. No, bro. <laughs> Jurassic Park's one of my favorite movies ever, but I know, yeah. I know just, these guys are okay. So we have put we Gummo should... in there and call it a day. <laughs> call yeah. it a... I'm Gummo down number. for that. I'm let's down. just do Gummo number one and say fuck it. <laughs> I'm down to just say fuck everything and put gummo. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, I'm not even joking. I'm serious. Yeah, I'm not joking either. That's up to you guys. The ball is you for court. real. Seriously, yeah, I'm dead, I'm dead ass. Mike, Mike, would you no, do that? I, I would not never put gummo. Oh, not a number one. I love it. But in like, the top I, ten. No, no, not no, one. no, not number one. Just, just oh. in the list, of top ten. Just the last, oh, the last slot we have. Yeah. Kinda, no, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it in like the top ten, but like number one, I was like, God, no, 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 that one, was a no. joke. That was a joke. Okay. <laughs> I just like betrays all of the movies we talked about, though. <laughs> like fucking Gummo's ahead of all those. I love Gummo though. <laughs> a movie that we didn't even put in any of our lists is number yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious though. Fuck yeah, it. I'm serious too. We can put that number ten. I put that above Big Lebowski. I, I mean, I don't believe it's better from the Big Lebowski. So you're gonna but... sacrifice Big Lebowski. Buffalo train spotted and Toy Story 2. Oh my god. Well, you say it like that. Uh, <laughs> no, you have to because, like, I love Gummo, but is it better than those? No, in it's some not. ways, it is. It's no universe. <laughs> in some, it's in not. like, that's true. It's its own lane. It's a great movie, but like, I don't know. I, I, I personally wouldn't have it in my like top 10. Uh, I, I mean, it sounded, 
It sounded cool, but now when you listen to all the other films, I don't know. Uh, I, I stand on my not, convictions. Not, not. No, I love it. I was going to say La, over Lahaine that we were going to bring up. Like, that was the one that automatically gets through his gummo. Kind of crazy, but I love gummo. I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for like La, uh, Lahaine making the list. Honestly, I was, I kind of screwed up my list. Um, it was originally going to be, I don't even know what happened, but um, no, Lahaine definitely deserves a spot if you ask me. Yeah, I second that too. I would but... too. Yeah, I think Carlos is the only one that's a little yeah, objective. I, I would. I wouldn't put that movie above Toy Story Two or The Big Lebowski <laughs> or even Train Spotting, really, or even even Buffalo Sixty Six. I like that movie more than Lahaine. <laughs> Lahaine, yeah, I guess I haven't seen Lahaine in a while, but I remember it was, it was pretty masterful. I, I think it's a great movie. Trust me. I think it's great. I just don't think it's as good as the others. I would say fucking to put Toy Story 2, but I don't know. Yes. <laughs> What's up with y'all? Why y'all are so against Toy Story 2? I mean, I'm well, I I don't know. I'm kind of split on it. What do we not split on? That has to be the movie that we're not split on. Like Big Lebowski. Buffalo. Yeah, this Big Lebowski is it, I feel like. Are we put is that what we're doing? I'll do it. It's I love it to death. I'll do it. Look, I'm cool with Big Lebowski or Train Spotting. Y'all have to pick between those two. Well, I, I, I like Train Spotting, but I'm not. You know, were, were we all like unanimous on Eyes Wide Shut? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Right? Okay, I'm just making sure because I remember I started that quickly. O- originally, I was like, "That's got to be on my list." Because yeah, I love yeah, I Eyes agree. Wide Shut. Okay, so I guess it's Lebowski. Unless anyone has any objections, I just feel bad for Mike. He got shafted. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, team, I just love, team player. The, the other two movies I, I genuinely love, but do I love them more than Lebowski? I don't know. I don't know. All right, it's time to rank these now, I guess. Um you want me to okay. read the movies? Sure. That we that we start. Uh Shawshank, Taste of Cherry, Perfect Blue, Boogie Nights, Goodfellas, The Celebration, Big Lebowski, Eyes Wide Shut. Fargo and Secrets and Lies. So what's okay. last on this list? I think Big Lebowski should be number 10. Fair. Right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, no, that's I'm, I'm just that's fair. There. I would say Big Lebowski or um Boogie Nights, maybe, but I would say Big Lebowski, I guess. I'm fine with Boogie Nights being nine. So we I'm got Big Lebowski. Fine with that too. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say Big Lebowski at ten mm-hmm. and then nine Boogie Nights. Is that is that what is is that oh, good? Yeah. I think Big Lebowski should be a little higher. You think so? Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, okay. I'm. I, I mean, I, I'm in favor of that. <laughs> then what's number ten? That's what I'm trying to decide ten. Um, just so I can move. Either Boogie Nights or what else did you say? Uh, Shawshank, uh, <laughs> Goodfellas, The Celebration, Eyes Wide Shut. Fargo, Secrets and Lies, Boogie Nights, Perfect Blue. I mean, say celebration at number 10, but again, I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment. Oh, that's right. Personally, I think Eyes Wide like, Shut, maybe. I think I think the bottom three should be like Perfect Blue, the Big Lebowski, and maybe Boogie Nights. But Okay. I'm fine with that. I would I would almost say Eyes Wide Shut, even though I love it. But I mean, two of those that I just listed were Blair, so I feel kind of bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's what's what's last? Boogie Nights. We can do we can do the Big Lebowski last if you'd like, and then we'll do oh, okay. 
two of other players in front of in front of mine. Okay, I can live with that. <laughs> Perfect blue at nine or eight. Eight. Please. Is it better than boogie? It's better than boogie nights, right? I I, I personally don't think perfect. Blue yeah, I, I I would put boogie nights above perfect blue. No disrespect, it's a great movie, but I don't think it's nearly as good as boogie nights. Shit, I'm sorry, Blair. <laughs> it's okay. You're in the, these both made the top ten though. That's great. Yeah. Um. Number seven, eyes wide shut, or am I am I dissing it too much? I think it's. I don't I think, think it's top five. I think five that's fair. I think, I don't yeah, think it's top fine. five. I don't that's think it's fine. top five material. That's why it's hard. Yeah, I think that's fair. <clears throat> okay. Um, number six, Shawshank. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I think that should be below Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> Me too, but. No. Yeah. What oh, do you think, man, Jake? That's... No, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Ah, oh, Mike, do you have any retaliation against that slander? <laughs> Not I mean, slander to me, but against I your movie. I mean, think. I mean, the Shawshank should be like above Eyes Wide Shot, but um, <sighs> wager, it's like it's whatever. I'm kind of on your side, even though I like Eyes Wide Shut more. I think Shawshank is more of a '90s like essential trademark. Yeah, that's true, though. Well, for going with is, that, ever going is, with. I'm sorry, go ahead. I said Kubrick has gotten <laughs> so many spots in the top five. Does he need another one? Like he was in every decade he got a spot, so damn. <laughs> That's not a diss I mean, against Kubrick. I'm just saying. Well, if we want, we can do we can do eyes wide. We can put Sean Shake above uh Kubrick. It's just one spot, you know. Yeah, it's I just, fine. I, I can yeah, I can live yeah. with it. But if we're going like with essential '90s trademark, then where the fuck's Pulp Fiction? I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. We're gonna get flamed for that. I'm sorry. I don't to be care. I don't pessimistic, care. Pessimistic, but I hope you guys know what's coming. I don't. I don't. Honestly, don't care about if we get flamed. Base. They that's can true. fucking deal with that. Whatever. If they think that's if they think that's not accurate, they can. They're gonna comment. I know it. But that's true. Fuck them all. Um, <laughs> they think that's not accurate. They can suck on my dick. <laughs> they can suck on my dick. Uh, all right. Top five. We got we got uh, Goodfellas, The Celebration, Fargo, Secrets and Lies. His a cherry. Sorry, is the other one. I think if you if you want to get the number one out of the way, personally, I think it should be Goodfellas. But I think it's The Celebration. I mean, I'm cool with that one? too. As number one. Yeah. yeah, I'm cool with the celebration or Goodfellas being number one. I'm, I'm so... fine with Goodfellas being number two, but so Carlos's top two movies. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> when you put it that now, the Misfit <laughs> Pond uh, bias here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Celebrate! I can't confidently say the celebration is better than Goodfellas, but me neither. And I love the celebration. I just saw yeah. it for the first time like a few days ago, but so it's really hard. But in case of cherry at like number five. If I'm being honest, really, Casey Cherry? Yeah, it was in your top five, though, Mike. It was, but um, I don't. I feel like there is more importance in like I don't know. Like yeah, important. that's fine. All right, I'll put it in number five. It was my number two. I, I'm just saying because it was Blair's. It was my number two top. as well. Yeah, so it's like that seems a little low, but oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh shit. I think number five would be Secrets and Lies. I haven't mm. seen it, so that kind of makes sense. What do you think it's a little higher? I think Secrets and Lies is better than Taste of Cherry. 
Arguably, yeah. Arguably. But that's just my that's just my opinion. Opinion man. Fucking, that's just my opinion, man. <laughs> um Okay, I mean I'm fine with that. So Taste yeah. of Cherry number five and then Secrets of Lies number four. Yeah. Okay. That's Secrets and Lies. We got three spots left. Goodfellas, the celebration, and Fargo. I forgot about mentioning Fargo. Fargo number three. Okay. Yeah. And then Celebration Two and Goodfellas One. I mean, I that's what I would say, but I don't know what y'all think. Um, what about Mike? Yeah. I go uh, number two, Goodfellas One, and um, I mean Celebration number three again. I haven't seen it. But, number uh, three. You Fargo. Where would you put Fargo? Number two. Honestly, I'm cool with that. I'm personally cool with that too. Uh, two crime. <laughs> who's who? Who's as Blair? Like, oh. I mean, I w- I wasn't even stoked with the idea of Secrets and Lies being number four because I haven't seen it, but uh, I don't know. Well, once is you it? see it, you'll you'll understand. Uh, dude, Taste of Cherry is so high in my in like my esteem. I don't know. About it's number that. five though. It's right after it. Uh, well, we can. How about this? If 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 we swap those, will will you be cool with the top three that we just said? Yeah. I don't mind swapping those. I love both of them. Okay, swap, swap Taste of Cherry and Secrets and Lies then, and then we'll go with the... Uh, God, I should have ri- used a pencil in this episode. <laughs> um, so then Fargo's number two and Goodfellas one then? Is that the thing? Yeah, and then the Celebration number three. Okay. I like that. As long as Taste of Cherry is above Secrets and Lies, Blair is happy. <laughs> yeah. That sounds, that sounds nice to me. That's, that's a lovely uh... because because honestly like i could i could be fine with like taste of cherry being like number one like as my number one i don't you know yeah. i i was gonna say that but then i immediately like no number five so i was like i i legit think it could be my number one too but that's okay i went I with can't... celebration initially because i knew there was a good chance everybody would be on board i think it made the top three i think that's really good yeah yeah so... i'm not uh i'm not complaining okay um let I us just... I just Sorry. can't wait for all the comments saying, "Why the fuck no is more it Paul- fiction?" <laughs> I know it's yeah. what a bunch of fucking hacks. And okay, wait, do, do you really, you really think it should be on there? Like, as outside whatever. The... No, nah, it's it's a good list. Whatever. This is our personal list. Yeah, right? we're not we're yeah, not yeah. we're not doing like IMDb's objective best here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we took a lot of shots at them today. Um, okay, I'll read the top ten then. Uh, number ten is the Big Lebowski. Number nine is Perfect Blue. Number eight is Boogie Nights. Number seven is Eyes Wide Shut. Number six, Shawshank Redemption. Number five, Secrets and Lies. Number four, Taste of Cherry. Number three, The Celebration. Two is Fargo. And one is Goodfellas by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, that's that's based as fuck. Yeah, that's a great that's a really Great-less. good list. Yeah, it's it's I have no issues with this, unlike other ones. Like this is yeah. Yeah, I no, actually, no woman under the influence. No, none of that debacle. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought Pulp Fiction was going to cause a stir today if someone brought it up. I'd, I'd be so resistant to put it on, but it's good. It's I mean, good. I mean, I really love the movie, but I'm not, I'm not super passionate about it to be arguing for it. So, but I do I, think it's fantastic. It's a great movie. I just, I don't think it's like top ten in the '90s, though. I'll be honest. I think it's like musty masterpiece material, but. Um, I don't know. Like I said, there's more Blair core in the 90s that I have to vouch for. So me too. Uh, same way. I feel the same way. Uh, Mike, do you want to take a shot at Pulp Fiction? 
about you. <laughs> the internet will hate you too much. Touch it with the tempered pole. <laughs> what? I don't want to touch it with the tempered pole. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, that's our nineties episode. Um, really great list if you ask me. So Definitely let us know where we went wrong. We already know. We already know what you're going to say, so don't, <laughs> don't even bother. Um, you know, we didn't mention Close Up by Kiristami either, so that might be another one that might get people riled oh, yeah. up. Yeah, I love that film a lot. It's, it's a great movie, yeah, but Taste of Cherry but for me is the is the I one actually, that I... I actually like Close Up more than Taste of Cherry on the record. Okay. I, I, uh, I was really close to putting Life and Nothing More on my list, but Ooh, yeah. it got eked out by uh, Three Colors Red. Yeah, that's another great one. And, you know, if, if you get mad at Pulp Fiction, honestly, Jurassic Park is the real uh, victim here. And <laughs> Toy Story 2, <laughs> if you ask me. But uh, that's all right. The childhood movies don't make it on as much. So, um, But, yeah, that's it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, we're going to be doing the 2000s next uh, with Kaylin. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait oh, to yes. that's that's going to be even harder to make for me, like, honestly, because like Mike said, it's like the most movies I've seen. That's probably a stacked from... year. Yeah, that's yep. just that's a very stacked one. So, um, I mean, Mike, thank you for thank coming. You. Um, you're a lovely, you're a lovely human being. So it was great to have you on. Um, and is there anything you want to plug uh, in terms of your socials? Anything like that? Not particularly. No, I don't really. Um, not very heavy on uh, social media or YouTube. But um, thanks so much for having me on. It was a blast. Uh, both episodes. Um, yeah. yeah. Hopefully, I'll. You guys will have me back for me someday. I mean, I'm more than welcome. But um, thank you. Thank you again. Of course, we'll definitely have you back. And Blair, anything you want to plug? Spooky uh, Blair. Yeah, just my uh, Instagram. It's like the only thing I use. It's uh, mm-hmm. Spooky underscore Blair. Hell yeah. It was you had great uh picks this episode, I think. Oh, thank we, you. We overlapped a lot. Um Yeah. And of course, Carlos, um, Misfit Pond, you know, you know the drill. Go in the Discord, please. Five dollars a month on Patreon. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, seriously, it's a it's a it's a blast, man. We want I, I swear to God, at this point we have like four movie nights <laughs> a week. Um we have like two discussions on average every week of, of uh, certain movies, blind recommendations. And uh, it's just, it's a really great place to go. If, um, if you're um, want to be included in a bunch of, w- w- with a bunch of uh Kino Lord friends who just all love the art of filmmaking. Um, but yeah. And um, you can follow me on Letterboxd with the same name, the Misfit Pond. I'm on there on Instagram, same thing. And obviously subscribe to my channel on YouTube and that's it. Do it. Yeah. Join them. You should just join the discord just so you can yell us at us about Pulp Fiction. You know, that, that's a good. <laughs> join us. Perry got you covered, though. He's going to get on to us, too. <laughs> I'm sure he will. That's fine. Um, Obviously, subscribe to the Cinebumps channel on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Follow our Instagram. We've, we're doing shorts now, which which are a lot of fun. Um, uh, we'll be doing more from these decades series. So yeah, look out for that. Look out for the 2000s episode. And thank you guys again. This was a, a wonderful episode as always. So have a good day. Thank you. Have a good one.